<laughs> that worked out perfect. We are live. Welcome to episode six of season four already. That's crazy. That means I've been back in the swing of thing for six weeks. I, I have uh, one show spot available left for the end of the year on the 30th of uh, December. And I'm actually kind of thinking about soloing that show. I've never soloed a show. And I'm kind of thinking about soloing that day. But today, I have my new but very good friend, Nikki Baltimore. I was fortunate enough to meet her through the VFriends community. I know I talk about this every week. Get used to it, guys. I don't care. Uh, you guys are going to learn about NFTs, whether you like it or not. Um, <laughs> and she was one of the people that literally welcomed me into the community via Clubhouse when I won my self-aware hair NFT. Uh, since then, you know, we've connected on a lot of different levels because we're into holistic healing and she's so smart about marketing. She's obsessed with other NFTs and she like love, love, loves her kid. She's super about mom life. So like we just get along on a different, on a bunch of different levels. And I'm excited to talk to her more because typically it's mostly NFT talk. So it'll be nice to have regular talk with some NFT talk mixed in as opposed to the other way around. So without further ado, let's get this show started. Make sure you guys share, like, and subscribe, and let's go. Wait, what? What am I doing? Created a movement, won't ruin what you are pursuing, but I wake up every morning, never yawning, cause I, I wake up with the intent to make the day my bitch, and I don't need it, you talking, so just shut your lips, cause I'ma make it, yeah, I'ma make it, I'ma make it, I'ma make it, Lord have mercy, I'ma make it, I wake up with the intent to make the day my bitch, and I don't need it, you talking, so just shut your lips, I'ma make it. Yeah, I'ma make it, I'ma make it, I'ma make it. Lord have mercy, I'ma make it up. This shit is crazy, right? This shit is crazy, right? <laughs> this shit is crazy, right? <laughs> Finally getting to talk like human beings and not just as NFT collectors. This is great. Absolutely. How's your day been today, Nikki? It's been pretty good. Um, I'm wondering, did you make that song yourself? Is that your music? It is. Yes, it is. I like it. You've got talents. Thank you. Yeah, I was uh, for a while. I, I literally had no clue what to do for the intro for the show. And uh, one of my friends, I think it was Rob, my friend Rob, he said, why don't you do your music? Like your music's good. And like you have music that has like perfect meaning for what your show is about. And <clears throat> when I when I made that song, I was like, dude, that's the one that's Song right there and yeah i used to i used to play the whole song which was overkill <laughs> that's okay it's a good snippet how long is it like 15 seconds it's like 35 seconds it's enough time for me to share everything essentially oh well it gave me enough time to feel the vibe and i started dancing before you like said isn't that crazy so i like it I'm, I'm six for six on that so far. Every one of my guests so far, I could see you guys in the little panel down below, even though you're not on screen, and I can see everybody's dancing and vibing, so it's working. Hey, Peg. I'm, I, was, I was telling Nikki that uh, I've never had somebody comment before I went live. Usually, it's just when I go live. It's, it's an honor. I love you, Peg. It's <laughs> wonderful. But uh, before the show, we were talking about, you know, witchy stuff and holistic healing. And that's that's such a fun subject for me, right? Because 
I am someone that most people would classify as a conspiracy theorist, but I do believe that half the conspiracy theories are probably true. Um, and like a quarter of them have already been proven. So to me, to me, if I was trying to uh, force what is happening currently with a clear patriarchy, wouldn't I want to take down the strong women? So, like, the way to do that... <laughs> You're diving deep. <laughs> the way to do that would be to brainwash people that these strong women are just magical witches and that's how they get all their fucking... their brain power and their intelligence and their action. Oh, man. And we're seeing a resurgence. We're seeing a massive resurgence. Well, Adam... <laughs> Hello, audience. <laughs> this is this is interesting. Um, so I don't really ever self-identify as like a witch, right? But I read the book Witch recently, which which was interesting because it does it does really talk about like the wild woman archetype. And I've I've read Women Who Run with Wolves, which I find to be another really great book. Um, I there was such a um, a boxing in of our female, right? Like one of the things I've, you asked me how my day was and I've been sketching a lot more. Like I've really been finding like um, expression through sketching and I find that I draw a lot of like erotica, <laughs> which is interesting. Um, but I find that I, I draw the female form a lot. Like I've, I'm noticing that the breasts are something that comes up. Sorry if this is not good for Facebook. You might, you might've just got censored out. Yeah. Um, but it's of this like dynamic between the female like nurturing and then the female like eroticism and how that is like so shamed in patriarchy, right? Like we're seen to, we're seen to be served as one or two things, like in art or in like Playboy, objectification or marketing is fine. Like if you're objectifying the woman through the male gaze, totally cool because there's dollars attached to it. But the second a woman owns her own body and she's you know, showing cleavage or she's being sexy, it's considered attention seeking. It's considered shameful. Um, they try to box the woman back in because I think that the female like sexual power is creative power and they're very, very, very closely connected. If you study like um, Eastern like philosophies and stuff, like you might know anything about like the chakras, like the Mm -hmm. uh, the sacral chakra is known for that. So it's um there it's a very deep topic that like I I love very much. Um and, but it's just a personal journey because as I became a mother, I found that I lost a sense of like that wild woman. Like and not in a wild sense, not in like being a sexual deviant. I don't want to like, but wildness like I was out very outspoken, right? Like I was, I actually was a very modest girl growing up. Like I was, I was afraid to show cleavage or things like that because I didn't want to be not be the good girl because we're sold the good girl narrative for so long. Yeah, one way or the other, right? Yeah, like it's it's just it's interesting, but like men, like if there's this you know, and I'm not like shaming men for like what they like, right? Like women like sex too. Like it's, that's a normal thing. Um, that's not what this is about. It's about the controlling of a woman's like freedom through when that's appropriate, when it's not like even for just women breastfeeding, right? Like 
we, our boobs are not allowed to be out in public. We get side eye from men and women, you know, like freedom mom, you want to talk about marketing, hold up. So they got a golden globe this last year for this dope ass commercial that they did. And they, it was amazing. Cause like, she's like grabbing her breast and she's like squirting it into the, uh, like, you know, trying to like get the, the clog out. I'm sure you guys have been there. Right. Um, and they're like, you, she's using like a vibrator to try to get it out. Cause you try to do every, every fucking trick in the book, but nobody tells you this shit before you get, you know, everybody says, oh, get married, love, family, like all these things. But nobody says, oh, by the way, for like six to nine months, you're going to go through incredible healing. You know, is it giving feedback on, on the, um, it is. Yeah. It is. Okay, I noticed that on my end. Um, what's the best way to? Is it did it stop? That's weird. Um, usually, it's uh, when it's picking up like my audio. Usually, it's like picking up my audio through yours and echoing back. So sometimes headphones help. I don't know if you have them handy. If not, it's okay. I don't really. Um, I tried to do like AirPod thing. I even read the instructions and didn't get very far. <laughs> no worries at all. <laughs> okay. uh, I, I do completely agree. Women are, are boxed in like it's like a shock. Like you're a successful woman. I've I've seen like the older generation that are like, what do you mean? That's the head of household, <laughs> a stay at home dad. What is that? And I'm like, uh, I feel like everybody has their roles and it shouldn't be really like defined and set in stone as one way. You have to be this way. You have to be this way. And like what you're saying about the complete double standard of like when when people watch porn, it's okay. But when a girl wants to dress sexy, it's not okay. <laughs> it's so true. It's like crazy. It's also like the, the insecurity is bred so much throughout society. Cause like I was that type of boyfriend back in the day. Like when my, I'd go out with my girlfriend, she's with me dressed sexy. And I'm like, what the fuck dudes are checking her out. And then, like, as I got older, like, with my girl now, we, we used to go out to the club, and I'd watch dudes hit on her and just be like. And she would, she'd be sitting there looking at them, like, <laughs> literally, literally giving them thumbs up, like, <laughs> not saying, yeah. nodding her head and thumbs up, like, and I'm like, damn, all right, cool. Like, so I don't, it's just like that insecurity is so bred into society, I feel like. Well, because um, I'm going to try to find headphones. I'm really sorry about that. Let's see if I, what I can do here. My bad. It's okay. Sometimes on these shows, what's up, Chaotic? Um, sometimes on these shows, there's some technical difficulties, and we just got to work our way through them. That's part I of entrepreneurship. We're not going to be able to do it, though. I'm really sorry. Because the ones I have, I'm going to have to, like, look for the other ones. Those are for my phone. Uh, I don't have ones for the computer. My bad. I feel terrible. It's not uh, every chaotic and peg. How is it on your guys' end? Because that's what really matters. Um, it's not really that bad. I only notice it because I'm such an audiophile. <laughs> and I'm picking up on it now because I've been doing, I've been playing around with it. So I'm thinking about when you put it on the podcast, how annoying it's going to be to edit. I'm sorry. It'll be like, all right. You're sweet. Um, but yeah, just societal pressure and societal norms are just, it's, it's 
annoying. <laughs> well, it, you know, here's the thing. I think um, when it comes to that stuff, about how you you decide to own it, right? Like it really comes down to, um, like for instance, I I don't want like if I'm gonna show cleavage, it's because I'm showing cleavage for me, not because I'm seeking male attention. So, like I think there the narrative on the um like the permissions needs to change. There's a um, a website called and I love this woman. You you talk about older women. This is a powerhouse of an older woman, uh, Cindy Gala. Mm -hmm. uh, she runs a website called uh, Make Love Not Porn, and it basically it's like a porn site, but for, but it's more about like consent, right? Is that better? Uh, I I thought my mic wasn't working for a second. Sorry, <laughs> I was like, wait a second, because I said mm -hmm, and didn't hear myself. Sorry, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> no, 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 it's all about consent. So I think like it's. It's interesting, but what I've learned about, like, when you when I've looked into funding for like sex tech, it, like, there's still a societal like disconnect. Like, it's interesting because like porn will get funded, but like this is not. I feel like I feel like from what I've read and stuff of articles that she's put out or different tweets that like it's been a long time trying to get like the appropriate uh, funding for it, even if it has good. Um, like a good uh, intention, I guess you could say, right? Mm. So, I don't know. That totally went down a, a different thing, getting away from no, because you were talking, you were talking about um, where it's deeply rooted, and I think that it comes from that because most men watch that; they just do from a young age, and so it's their level of conditioning starts with that, and so their relational understanding of of women is through the images that they receive there. And that's that's still a level of programming, and so I I don't have an issue with porn. Like I I don't I don't have a problem with it at all, especially if it's like cool with your partner and your partner. You guys are like open and honest with each other. Like I think that's fine. Um, I also you know believe in like ethical sex work, so like there's like a whole component of that too that I think um, like I think sex work is work. So like I support you know I support people. <laughs> so I just I'm very liberal on some shit. <laughs> like, I, very I totally agree with you, though, because like I feel like the dangers of prostitution only come because of the illegality of it. It's similar to drugs, right? Like I feel like, and it's not even really a feeling anymore. It's been proven. Like Portugal, they literally legalized all drugs, and their their drug addiction went down massively, massively. Wow the the temptation isn't there um and it's not exciting anymore you're going to a doctor's office to get shot up with heroin like what like that's not fun for most most people well, i i have to say i don't i don't know and sorry to interrupt you there but i don't know how if i have a stance on that i know that i have a stance on like the legalization of marijuana for both recreational and medicinal but as far as the other drugs um I think if you legalize marijuana, a lot of the other addictions would go away too because people would have access to things to help them get off of some of those harder drugs as well. Um, I just, there's so much to that. But I, but yes, I agree with you very much so that um, there's still, I feel like, 
there's just so many people who have varying opinions. It's really hard to get a gauge on what's what. And even with what you said about Portugal, like I feel like how that's probably a hard statistic to even capture, right? Because now they're not arresting people for drugs. So like, how can they really even get a snapshot of, you know, people's usage unless they're doing it at the doctor? Like you said, like, he sat from the doctor, but isn't that like, don't they have HIPAA regulations or something? I don't know. I mean, I think, like there's a there's a doctor that goes on Rogan a lot named Dr. Karl Marx, okay. and he regularly does heroin. Not every day, but once in a while when he needs a pick me up, he does heroin, and it's, he knows it's clean. And he's like, dude, <laughs> he's like, none of it's not dangerous if you know your limits with it. Just like alcohol, like alcohol can kill you. It's it's I'm just like my my mind is just like what is happening right now? Sorry, <laughs> I, I really you said that and I was like I saw my face and I was, it's just funny because I, I try not to judge people because like whatever like to each their own but that would not be my you know I wouldn't choose that so no me either my I, I think the most I would ever do is ayahuasca I want to do that I do mushrooms frequently. Um, Ayahuasca tea. So, the one of the first nights I was on Clubhouse, I was in this incredible room. I feel like sometimes, like, just I love Clubhouse because this magic happens all the time on that app. Mm -hmm. um, and this woman came in, and we were talking about ayahuasca, and she was talking about how you get this feeling of love, like towards everybody. And I was like, you don't understand. I don't need ayahuasca to know that. Like. When I'm like vibing and I'm feeling good, like I love fucking everybody and I don't need a drug. It's just the weirdest thing. Like if I'm in a good state, like I just, I can just be such love without ayahuasca. So I was like, I wonder if that could even be more amplified. Like I could, I don't even think I could handle myself because I can barely handle myself when I'm like that, you know, like it's the funniest thing. I don't know. I, I think. I think we can, my point is, I think we can tap into that state without necessarily having to facilitate it through a tea. Like, I think it's possible to feel that, that greatness of love and expansiveness without a drug. I think it's within us already. You're a thousand percent correct because our bodies actually create DMT in our mm -hmm. bodies. It's, it's a compound that's created in our bodies and, uh, pretty easily manipulated to be honest. Um, uh, I've brought it up a couple times on Clubhouse, but I don't know if I've, I've brought it up to you. Have you ever heard of uh, Wim Hof? Yeah, he does the breathing, right? Yes. So his breathing, it's the purpose of his breathing is to create a natural DMT hit in your brain. Wow. So what happens is you over-oxygenate your lungs and over-oxygenate your blood and your body doesn't need to breathe anymore. <clears throat> so you can hold your breath for four minutes and your body kind of thinks you're dying. So then you take a, at the end of it, you're like, and you just push it all the air up like to your head. And all of a sudden, like on the third or fourth, what you, what you do is you, you take 30 breaths, it's about 30 breaths in, you go. So you breathe all the way in, you feel it in your stomach and then you just let it go. So you don't breathe out. You just like, let it go and then keep breathing. And you'll notice as you're going through your reps, you're like, damn, my lungs are starting to feel full like as hell. And it's like the first round, you'll do a minute and a half. And you'll be like, I just held my breath for a minute and a half. And then you'll do it for a second round. And it'll be two and a half minutes. And then you'll do it for a third round. It'll be four minutes. 
And by the end of the, the third round, all of a sudden you close your eyes when you do that big breath in at the end and you could feel your eyes going like REM and colors like just splashing everywhere. And I remember I came to from that when the first time I made that happen. And I literally was like just in a state of bliss. Like I was, I still was barely breathing. I still was just taking a breath, maybe a minute. Like I wasn't breathing a lot. I didn't need to. And I was doing pull-ups in the middle of it, like not even breathing, just like not struggling, just like up and down, up and down, up and down. I'm like, what the hell is happening? It's like my breath unlocked like this superpower within my body. It was so weird. That's crazy. I've never tried the four minute one, but what you're talking about with the, the breath, when I was um, taking my yoga, cer yoga certification class, there's, um, I think it's the... It's the one that Yogi, oh my God, I can't remember the type of yoga that it is. Dang it. Um, but there's like all these different breathing techniques and they do it where like they do like the swirl or whatever. But anyway, they're called the bandas and you do something where you do that deep breathing and it's like, it's wild. But, but a lot of what they do in um, yoga, they teach you is breath work. Yep. It's like, that's how you get back into like the body um, and like connect it's just, it's, I think it's so powerful. I did not understand the power of the breath until I went through that training. Um, and it's going to drive me crazy that I can't think of the type of yoga that it, it is, but maybe it'll come to me. Maybe not. Um, but it just, it was fascinating because I never had taken that much time to focus on my breath. Growing up, my stepdad always used to say like, relax, breathe. And so I correlated those terms very negatively Mm -hmm. right and so like anytime somebody told me to relax or breathe i'm like fuck you <laughs> like i had a very different response um i've been working on that for a couple years <laughs> uh, but but it's amazing when you can let your guard down and actually like and breathe into a moment or like even you know take time to sit and and work with your breath i like to do like the opposite nostril breathing have you ever tried that yep it's awesome. Like that helps get both sides of your brain like going, which is great if you're creative and analytical and all that stuff. It's super difficult for me because <clears throat> the left side of my nose is just collapsed in. I, I got my nose kicked in when I was like 16 and I'm supposed to be going to a doctor's appointment tomorrow to finally get it looked at and maybe fixed and like be able to breathe again. And they call me and they're like, it's still saying your primary care is this doctor. And like, well, why didn't you guys switch it? And like, who, wait, I didn't choose that doctor. I haven't had a doctor since 2009. What did you guys do? Like, and so now they're like, it'll take 24 to 48 hours, probably longer because of the weekend, blah, blah. So I'm like, so I'm just delayed by another two months because that's how long it took me to get this appointment. Yeah. It's like, this is the reason why I just have a broken nose since I was 16, you know, because <laughs> it's so frustrating. Going to the doctor's offices are tough right now. My, um, we went to go, my youngest had an appointment today and the office staff was completely turned over. I wasn't there. I didn't go through the experience, but my partner was shook. <laughs> like there, apparently my daughter's not on the insurance. There's like a whole freaking thing. I was like, so when are you scheduling her again? Cause like, what, what are we going to do about it? Like we can't, you know, we can't change the fact that she's not on the insurance. We can't change the fact that like it was a really bad experience. But from what I got from him, I like pro I'll probably be voluntold to go next time. <laughs> <laughs> voluntold, that's hilarious. Yeah, you know.
But um, it's one of those things. I feel like healthcare is um, such a privilege, and it's, it's it needs so much work. Um, so much work. Yeah, but not yeah. Not, not even. Um, it's on so many levels, right? Like the people that are in the offices right now are really brave to be there because a lot of them are short staffed because they don't want to be working because of COVID. So there's, there's a lot of, that goes into it. So I try to have more compassion right now for like the fact that there's a lot of these mistakes happening. Like it's kind of like, I feel like it's kind of on us. We should have made sure that we were right with our insurance before we went. So like, I'm always about like taking accountability because then I feel less pissed off. Because I feel like if I'm blaming them, then I'm just aggravated. But if I'm like, oh, well, I'm an idiot, then I'm like, oh, I'll let myself off the hook easier. <laughs> it's just like more grace. I don't know. I, I don't know. I do think it's some give and take. I think it's some grace on both sides. I think like the medic, most medical staffs are so overworked that it's hard to really have compassion and empathy. And that's two big things that you need when you're healing people. Um, and I just feel like, 95% of my medical experiences, I've had zero empathy to anything I was going through. I've always been accused of being a drug addict, even though I have no history of it. Like, I went to the hospital when I was uh, 19, and I couldn't breathe. My lung was hurting really bad. I could barely talk. It was just, it was, I had no clue what was going on. And I was taking, I was getting a CT scan. And my girlfriend at the time was in the room and overheard the nurses talking about me. And they said, I'm so sick of these young kids coming in here, seeking drugs, just trying to get high, lying about their symptoms. And then probably about an hour after that, they came back on my CT results and told me I had a blood clot in my lung. And those same nurses were like pale in the face, like, oh, my God, what can we get for you? What can we get for you? Like all of a sudden it was changed. Now you care because, you know, that I'm sick. You assumed something, even though I have no history of it. And you literally had no compassion for me. I, I could have died. Like it was three inches from my heart. What if it moved while I was sitting in the waiting room? You know, like there's just, you guys could have killed me. And that has happened more times than not. <laughs> you know, and I think, I think this is interesting because I think this is so much deeper than those people in the, um, I think this goes to a level of compassion in general, right? Like for instance, I think the, the healthcare system is a sick system. It's not a wellness system. So you're talking about healers. You come, you come to people like me, like who do Reiki and like, you know, yoga and meditation, but that's, those are people that know how to, to give compassion and like sit with you and hold space. You're not going, you're going into a factory system when you're going to get and trust me there's great there's great medical advancements thank god for modern medicine like i'm not uh, you know i'm not knocking modern medicine but i think there needs to be like a hybrid model because i think that um the system's heavily taxed and i don't think that um like compassionate care even if it is a, a title and everyone's like you know memo paper it's not probably like bedside manner is a gift like if you're lucky enough to find a practitioner who can deliver that it's you know you're very fortunate and they're 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 booked out <laughs> you know like you can't get certain dermatologists in town that like you can't even get like an appointment with because they're like six months booked out because like they're that good like they've been like our, our family dermatologist is like that i switched and went to going to somebody else because i'm like i need like a normal person's checkup 
And I don't, I'm, I'm accountable enough to know that like, I'm not going to be good at scheduling for that <laughs> months waiting. So I'm like, let me get somebody that, like I can call and go in like two weeks and cause that's just easier for me. But, um, back to the whole like compassion thing. I think that that stems from just like how we treat people in general. I don't think that it's right there. I think we, we constantly tell people that they're not feeling what they're feeling. We belittle people's experiences. We don't hold space for people when they're saying they're going through something. We make a lot of assumptions about someone else's perspective just in general. And it's not just in healthcare. It's in everyday life. It's in business. It's in friend circles. It's in every, it's in family dynamics. It's everywhere. And until we change that dialogue, until we, we lean into relationships with a sense of curiosity, a sense of like, if you're saying this, I'm going to trust that what you're experiencing is your truth. And I'm going to, I'm going to hold compassion and space for you. What do you need? Like, what is that about? Tell me more. Like, how can you feel seen and heard? Like to me, that's a different relationship with life and with people that I think we need to take into all our encounters. And I think that's why I constantly on the mic in clubhouse, because I, I like talking to people and, and just hearing from people and learning about what's going on in the world. It's just, when you first told me about what you do, did I not geek out on you for like several <laughs> conversations? <laughs> I feel like you still do. <laughs> all the time. All Some the time. Point. I was even thinking about it today. I was like, I have to have him tell me how he does the carbon sequestering thing so I can actually get the verbiage right when I talk about you. Because that's one of the coolest things that I connect to what you do, right? Because I love the earth so much. And I, I'm like, what he's doing is potentially like that major, like from an earth's healing standpoint. Um, and so that goes back to like, just my love for everything, just in general. It's funny know. because I was just on the phone with another like undergrad student, uh, like from some prestigious university, in Western Mass, and then some other dude who has like some kind of crazy degree and he's making hemp batteries and like hemp what? power packs. Yeah. So he power was packs for yeah. like your phone. For like to power your house, he said it could survive like three weeks in a blackout. Yes, that is incredible. Yes, that is like insanely amazing. It really is. I I never even thought about batteries, and this is the first conversation with somebody that I've had about materials where they just said, "I'd like to pay you for some." Like right now, I'd like to pay you for some so I can test it out, make sure it works, and then we can go from there. And they're, they're asking me questions like, well, what would you need to scale up from one acre to 25? I'm like, well, I need a tractor. I need the attachments because then I won't need to hire a whole team of people. It'll keep our costs down while we're in the research phase. And they're just like, hmm, what else? And I'm just like, well, you know, my I could literally have 25 acres next year because the farmer I rent land from is, is retiring from animal farming uh, next year. And he's got about 25 cleared acres of land that's been had cows and chickens and goats and horses and pigs and turkeys and ducks. And he has literally everything at his farm uh, living there wild and, and, you know, what he's keeping for meat, unfortunately. Sometimes it's unfortunate. It makes me sad. Um, but 
if we could offer him a little bit of money, he might just rent out that whole 25 acres to us and let her, let us do our thing. If we can make a compelling offer for him. And they're just like, Hmm. hmm. And I even said straight up to them, like I, some days it's like, uh, Rogan talks about imposter syndrome a lot. And that's what it feels like. It's like, how is me, three-time college dropout Adam Souza, <laughs> talking to these prestigious people who are going to like prestigious universities, have these like crazy positions in the world. Like that dude, you could I could just tell from our conversation that dude had money and he was willing to shell it out for the people that were doing the right things. Like he wanted to source from somebody who's growing organic sustainable regenerative farming practices and i'm like he's like well tell me about your farming practices and i'm breaking it down he's like wow that like is exactly what we're looking for (laughs) yeah i'm glad that you you came across him for sure i um but i i have to tell you don't sell yourself short because you speak about this stuff very intelligently. You have a really depth of knowledge on the plant, the what the plant does from a chemistry standpoint. You really understand the farming practices. Like, listen, I I went when I went to college, I, I double majored. Okay. Everybody's just drinking beer and like cramming. <laughs> Like it's not, it's not that serious. It's just not. And I'm not, listen, I'm not knocking people who go to like for their masters and stuff like that or their doctorate. Cause there's like a lot of deeper work that has to get done. But like, it's just, um, I feel like there are these barriers that make people think that they're like not as good or less than because of somebody else or because somebody else has money. Like it's not even the case. Like, all those reasons why you thought he was awesome, I don't think those are good reasons. I think the reasons why I think you're awesome, those are good reasons. You know, it's from the heart. You have really great knowledge. Like, you're passionate about it. Like, none of that other stuff matters. They're all just, like, badges. You know, it's not. That's what was cool about him and, you know, the undergrad student was that um, he was very uh, humble and very much on board with we're trying to help the planet like that's the main mission obviously he knows that he's got a a billion dollar idea on his hands and if he can do it right and franchise i mean not franchise uh license it out to like duracell and all those kind of companies it's it's kind of like my idea with hemp condoms that's that's my idea that's my billion dollar idea because it's gross to think about but i'm pretty sure no it's not gross to think about at all i'm Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, what's supposed to think about is that probably every condom in human history is still in the dirt. Oh, that's so gross. It's plastic. It doesn't break down. No. So if it's hemp, you put it in the ground, and in 90 days, it doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah. It's not gross because it's a condom. It's gross because it's plastic, right? It's the same yeah. thing with baby diapers. Like, you think about all that stuff. It's just as bad. Um no, it's interesting that you say that because I, I listened to a podcast called Sex with Emily and she was talking to somebody who takes like CBD oil and uses it for like lubricant and there it's like infused with like different whatever, but it's supposed to enhance the whole experience, the right. intimate experience. And I'm like, hey, there's, that's a seller because <laughs> sex sells. <laughs> so there you go. That's why yeah, I <laughs> scientifically it's like it's reducing inflammation 
Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's relaxing. So that's, that's why it works in that sense. And it's kind of hitting your bloodstream like that when you do it. Vaginal. I mean, there's so many ways that you can use the plant, right? Like it's just interesting how many different ways hemp can be beneficial, right? Like if you're going to, if you're going to do hemp farming, if there's, if you can use the product in its entirety, right? Like, isn't that the best way to, to, Right, like that's the whole point. Yeah, right? it's like you do stuff while it's growing, and then amazing things after it's done. Yeah, I just think that I don't know. I, I love that. Um, I really one of the products I really like that come out of that is the hemp creep, which I thought was so. I told you, I sent you the video. I'm like, dude, you don't understand. I had a random thought when I decided to record myself on Instagram. I was eating a salad and just fucking talking to the screen. Oh, I'm at them. And sorry, Facebook. They just, they just kicked us off. Um, so basically, I, I was talking about how I took this class in college because I've just always been fascinated by humans. And it was gerontology. And um, we learned about, like, centennials and, like, how people live past 100 and how, like, as people are aging, um, they need to have, like, homes that are – the conducive to their aging because they may not have caretakers. And so I was learning about all this smart technology and it's just like, I feel like, um, I don't know. I was thinking, I was thinking about how, if I was going to build a house ever again, how I would want it to be really sustainable and really smart. And one of the things that I came up in that conversation was I, I randomly started talking about hempcrete, which happened to be something I'd seen on Instagram from like, two, three years prior, like it was so random. But I remember when I started thinking like, this is an answer. Like it, it really is an answer because like, you know, at the US Building Council, like the um, US uh, Green Building Council, yep. so do like lead certifications and stuff. So like if if a building wants to get go green, um, they can source materials like hempcrete and it can help with their rating. Um, so if that is like a product or something that somebody was going to get into, that's like a, probably a, uh, an avenue you'd want to explore because they, they would list you as a a sustainable product or something like that. Right. And that's the idea is you want to get, um, you want to get into more places that are trying to actually do that because there's not a lot of places that really want to spend the money to go green. But if, it, if you're building like a senior center, like if you're building like a development for senior citizens and you're making it green and you're making it smart, like there's there's a lot you could do there. <laughs> I don't know. I just yeah. think about like where people are going to live and like, I don't know. That makes a lot of sense to me. And that's like one of my biggest uh, goals is to re- really help to scale up hempcrete right because that's the biggest pushback on hempcrete is that we can we can't do it tradition in the traditional way is that true or have we just not figured out how to do it in the traditional way and you know in the traditional way they mean in the big 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 hoppers where they can mix truckfuls of the cement and it's it's cost effective for them and uh they could build houses with it like you know in one batch instead of making a 10 batches to build the foundation you know what i mean um so if if we could get to that point so what make, is, what's uh, the problem now like what is the issue with actually executing on that other than them not having it in those numbers they just don't want to do it on a small scale exactly exactly 
Because you basically got to, you got to like mix it in like 55 gallon drums. It's not very big and it's a pain in the ass. And it's, yeah, it's right now the the process for hempcrete is that um, it's just a pain in the ass to do at scale. Nobody has figured it out yet. And mm-hmm. when somebody figures it out, um so you have a friend who likes to figure shit out so we yeah. should talk more i just i like i like i really like that that's we should talk more <laughs> like i i'm so dr- you don't understand like i'm so drawn to this thing it keeps coming up so i feel like i don't know maybe 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 we'll side that conversation for another day but i like i love um because isn't it something that also like helps with the temperature of the house? Like, isn't there, it has great. It's a uh, thermal regulating. That's the okay. term for it. So in the summer, it keeps it cooler in the winter. It keeps it warmer because it's breathing. So the humidity isn't getting stuck in the basement. It's breathing out and breathing in. It's literally like an environment and it's also pest resistant. So most pests don't like it. It's too hard to chew through and it's just not very, they don't like it most most pests don't like it um so there's just so much potential with hempcrete and i say this all the time it's like beating a dead horse but i don't care the concrete industry is the is the one of the largest co2 emitting industries in the world and if the c if the concrete industry were a country it would be the third leading co2 emitting country behind the us and china it'd be number three and think about how much CO2 China emits in the U.S. Like, we're not far behind that. And hempcrete is the exact opposite. They say that a one meter squared wall of concrete puts out 300 kilograms of CO2 per year. On the flip side, uh, that same meter square wall, but hempcrete pulls 100 kilograms of CO2 per year. So, so it goes from a plus 300 to a negative 100 swing on changing the material in which you're building with. So, okay, which that's incredible. Why, again, the 55-gallon drums? Why? Nobody the nobody has figured out how to pulverize the, the hemp herds, like once they get down to like the small pieces at, at scale. And I think that's what I need to do is to get – I need to find something that is like a powderizer. I think they call it a pulverizer actually. And it just turns it into dust. And if I could take that dust, combine it with lime and water, I think that I'll have a consistency very close to concrete. And if I can do that on the small scale, I have a company that I'm talking that my one of my business advisors is talking to right now that has literally an empty concrete hopper. And they're too scared to use it because they don't want to jam up the equipment. But if I can get some small scale concrete equipment to use first to test it, and then do it there, we could really get this thing rolling. And their you know, rep as a company, that would go up because they're now a green company. Um, they could really be on the precipice of starting something brand new. They're one of the biggest builders around here. So it would really uh, influence other builders around as well. So the move is just, is just crazy. And I just got to figure out how to pulverize the hemp. So... It's just about getting my hands on on it a little bit more and, and 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 you know raising the money through like my nft project to get the stuff i need to buy you would need to you would have to sell the builder on the tax benefits what that you would have to make that very clear to them because 
if they if you could figure out what that would be like if you got approved through the u.s building council and they gave you like a certification or whatever like say it was like i don't know like silver certification for that thing it helps you get points towards that certification whatever um then you can find out like what kind of tax credit they would get for having that like lead certification in whatever they're building but it would probably have to be on new builds only because i'm sure like the renovation process wouldn't give you the same like the same benefits right yeah and it would be tough probably to mix the two i would imagine because then you have like probably uneven settling yeah. and it's it, it probably wouldn't be too good so yeah i mean if you I would, I would definitely maybe take that approach with them because I don't think that they're going to see the benefit for the Hemp Creek unless they see the money benefit because the cost is probably going to be too high up front for them, right? Like, are you going to be able to get the cost down so that it can, can compete with concrete? Because unless it makes sense to them in dollars, I don't know that they're going to move definitely the tough part it's very tough to that's why this that's this is a whole scaling problem right now and the that's why i'm just like trying to get everybody and their mother to grow hemp on their farm you know it's like just you have you have 30 acres let me take an acre and grow hemp and you're going to get carbon credits and you know like or eventually get carbon credits once we have a program here in massachusetts that i hopefully can create um for farmers because it's bullshit that farmers can't get carbon credits right now in massachusetts like what is that well, I don't even know about, so that's on the, that's on the farming side of it, right? That's not even on the actual, like a uh, distributing of a prod product side, right? So there's two totally different angles. Um, so what else are you trying, what else do you do with the, um, like the hemp? Like what is the, the use case right now is the, the CBD oil, right? What else are you doing with the. It was primarily CBD oil. And then I used to just compost like my stocks and everything and i was just like eh, whatever my cash crop is is the cannabinoids i'm looking for the cbd and um this year is and and forward is very different because as opposed to growing you know uh typically my plants are spaced eight foot rows on center and six feet apart on center i'm going to be planting inches apart on every plant i'm going to be planting as tight as possible to get the biggest canopy i can possible while also leaving some weed ground cover so the natural weeds that grow in the area you leave the ground cover because it helps with moisture retention you don't really have to water um, and it helps with uh, sequestering the carbon if you don't have bare soil bare soils lets out carbon the plants keep it in so uh, if you're able to have a complete ground cover and a complete canopy cover the amount of carbon you're going to sequester is going to be through the roof. And then on top of that, I want to take my hempcrete and I want to cast the rock wall going around my acre. And Ron Jordan, he, he works for a company that has a, uh, a carbon camera. So it's like a $150,000 camera. And it literally points at the ground and tells you in the PPM parts per million of, of carbon going in or out of the ground. That's cool. It's intense. And what we're going to do is I'm going to build that rock wall around and I'm going to leave one section with no hempcrete so he can look the rock wall, hempcrete, rock wall. Hemp. And, and you can see the exact difference of, of uh, how much carbon we're actually sequestering actively. 
every year. It's crazy. And a one meter square wall is like a foot by a foot by a foot or something like that. It's not big. It's not big at all. That's wild. And it's really cool that, so that's really cool that the camera can do that. Would he be able to give you those images? Like, does it print off? It probably does, right? I. That's a good question. It's not just like a reader, right? Like it actually takes like photos probably. Yeah. And probably videos I would imagine too. I'd, I'd imagine it's similar to like the camera that real estate agents use. Like they have like this big fancy camera set up that can like be in one spot and take like 360 pictures and stuff like that. And I think it'll be something similar to that, just built to uh, detect carbon instead. Very cool. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to me. I I didn't even think that was a possibility. Like when he told me that, it it was like it was like one of the driving forces actually be behind me actually going for this because I'm like, oh, I can prove this. Like this isn't anecdotal right. at all. I can prove this. Well, and if you show people images, like if you're able to bring those pictures along with a good uh, narrative, like to them about like, hey, this does X Y Z and saves you money and look <laughs> like then they're like oh we'll try it i don't know like i really i hope you can figure it all out what's going to be fun for me is like this year we got started late because like i didn't think i was going to get started um and then the nft project happened and all of a sudden i had enough money <laughs> and i was like okay do i do i grow this year like it's way too late it's mid-august we don't grow in mid-august <laughs> And um, I was just like, fuck it, I'm going for it. And I planted 30,000 seeds and only a couple hundred really popped up. And I'm just like, okay, brain, what's going on here? And I was just like, did the seeds go dormant? Maybe. Like, I know, like, typically with, like, cannabis plants, the male plant pops up first and it gets bigger first. Like, I remember we used to, we'd grow seeds, we'd grow regular seeds, and this is when we were just looking for the females because we were growing for cannabinoids. Um, we would, we were, I remember we named all of our plants. We had like 150 plants. We would just like, on the name tags, we would just come up with names on them. And like, we were naming uh, some of the biggest ones like Denali and like mountaintops and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, and every single one of those big ones that we named like mountains and stuff were all males every single one yeah. we were just like why does that happen and you just look into it you're like oh that makes sense so i was thinking that you know i had my female seeds or the ones that were gonna most likely be female were like i don't know man that math isn't adding up you know like i don't know if i'm gonna finish growing in time i can't i can't do that in that short window like i'm gonna wait for next year it'll be fine and, and the only reason i even think that's a thing is because it happened to me already right so last year on this property we planted again twenty thousand seeds complete crop failure we tried planting in the middle of a drought I also was was not told that the land um, was forest the year before we got started. So it was like a brand new plot of land. Um, so we failed. And then this year, you know, it wasn't the greatest success either. We're going to have enough to get some carbon data, but not at all the carbon data I would have got if I had a successful crop. So then I did some soil tests because I was like, my brain was like, okay, 
my probe, my soil probe thing, which is not very accurate, says everything is good. Let me just double check. I get the soil test back yesterday and they literally were like off the charts with everything good, amazing. And then my pH was low, meaning like the pH of my soil is acidic. And when your soil is acidic, it doesn't, um, it kills off carbon life forms. So when you kill off the carbon life forms in soil, what happens? The nutrients doesn't get broken down. The organic matter doesn't get broken down and become bioavailable for the plants to uptake. So if your pH is off, it literally throws off everything. pH is so easy, unbelievably easy to fix. Like it's like a one to two treatment type of thing. And the treatment is like taking one of those grass seed spreaders and spreading these little pellets that are made of um, what the hell, lime. lime. Yeah. So it's it's literally the easiest thing in the world. And as soon as that kicks in, everything is going to start popping. And I'm a little bit worried. I hope that everything doesn't pop up in like mid beginning of November. And then like, oh my God, this is great. <laughs> but it will it, it's kind of a cheat because this is the unlock to sequester more carbon. Because carbon can't survive in my soil right now. Right? So the carbon levels are at the lowest they possibly could have been at the time of that test. So no matter what I do, it's going to look drastic. So if I, like I planted a cover crop and I'm doing this pH thing and between those two things, it's going to look drastic. What's the cover crop you chose? I chose winter rye. It was the easiest to manage. No management. You just plant it. <laughs> then, do you do anything with that crop? Like do, or do you sell the crop off or do anything with it? I I was just going to chop it down and let the ground take it. Uh, and that would be like my nutrients for the whole year is how I'm thinking. So if I chop it down and leave it, that's all going to break down and be nitrogen. Um, next year, because uh, nitrogen, especially in the beginning of a plant's life cycle, is super, 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 super important. And legumes, beans, are amazing at putting nitrogen in the soil. So what farmers would do back in the day is grow legumes underneath their corn and it would wrap up the corn it's not taking up any extra space right. but you're, you're giving uh, more nitrogen that's available for your corn and thus we'll have better corn and i'm thinking about doing that with my cannabis next year and okay. i think that that will really help with the carbon sequestering too so it's i'm just like every day sometimes multiple times a day it's it's just new information's coming in and i'm like adjusting little like a little bit there eh, turn that a lot eh, a little bit like every day for trying to fine-tune this because it's brand new it's like the scariest thing i've ever done <laughs> i love it i love that you're doing it um if they come up prior to next year what's like what do you do like, what's the plan if they come up they all pop in november are you going to be like, well, that's not cool. You can't be. Yeah, I'm going to be like, <laughs> that's that's nice. um, it'll be all right, though. It'll, it won't be the end of the world. Um, <clears throat> with the funding that I'm getting, it's uh, we're almost I think we're like I'm, I sold out of the rare tokens today, my, my rare tokens. And I think I need to sell like 10 more core tokens and I'll have enough for basically uh everything i need to get the season started next year once i do that so i'm pretty close to 
getting the money for next season, which is super exciting. And I, I, I still am so blown away by that. Like, I can't even believe that that happened. You know, I can't even believe I released an NFT project. Like, first of all, I'm not an artist in that sense. And yet, you know, like, I really want to get an iPad and, and, and doodle. But uh. <laughs> it's amazing because, like, once you if you get an iPad and you get Procreate, then you like you start playing around with it and you realize it's not the same as drawing on the sketch pad. Like I've always loved to like sketch and I, I do a lot of art with my kids, but um, it was different because it was like slipping on the screen. I was like getting so frustrated. My lines uh, I, like hated everything that I was doing when I was first playing with it. And um, I ordered like a thing for the front of it, like a um, thing that makes it feel like paper and it still wasn't great. Right. So then I saw that they had these like silicone tips for like the tip of the pen. So I'm like using this paper thing and then I'm using the silicone tip and that actually makes a difference. But you know, there's a setting in Procreate too <laughs> that if you adjust it to streamline, it doesn't make you look like your, your hand is like, I'm like, I can't fucking draw a straight line. I'm so frustrated. As soon as I adjusted that and all these other things, like it made like the connect and like now also I figured out little tricks and, and tips like when I'm like doing the lines if I hold it it'll like make the line smooth and I'm like this is like and then you can adjust it a little bit more so it, if you get an iPad and you start to doodle yes it's cool to watch like YouTube and try to learn and stuff but it actually just takes like repetition to figure out like like that it's not looking right and then you have to figure out like how to just use the tools i'm i'm not saying that enhanced my sketching any um that still is required repetition but now at least i have a good starting point because before it was like i couldn't even like bubble letter you know like kind of like do like doodle bubble letters like you did in high school like when you'd write your name in like 3d no I definitely did. I doodled a lot. That's actually like doodling is how I got my artist name. Like literally how I got it. I was doodling and the design in it, it said ATAC. And uh, my brother was like, at the time I was like looking for a rap name basically like, and <laughs> he was just like, what about ATAC? So good. Like, hmm, interesting. All right, we'll do that. You know, I, I haven't drawn in a long time, but whenever I would do it, it, it felt, pretty natural for me um yeah and like i was messing around on just photoshop and with a click pad on my ipad on my laptop and i was like i i, I want our full house line like of shirts that we dropped or we're dropping because they haven't fucking dropped yet everything keeps getting delayed um i was gonna I'm, i still might i was gonna take the faces of you know stamos and joey and danny and and draw them so I was going to put their face and then I was looking up a video on like how to draw a face. And I was like, oh, this is easy. Like you follow the features. That's all you do. Yeah. And I, I started doing it and I was it was looking amazing until I got to the hair parts because I couldn't get like the, you know, I couldn't do that on a little click pad. <laughs> yeah, there's that's interesting because I've, I've drawn some of that, too. I, I find it, it. I find it. Hands are hard to draw. Right. It's like they can, you can have like a great form and then you draw a hand and you're like, that's weird. <laughs> like that does not add up. Um, right. But if you, if you have a good connection to like, I feel like um, spacing and just like, 
you have like that spatial like eye. I think, I don't know, like it's just a matter of like training your hand to figure out like how to connect it. So like I'll sketch and then I'm like, no, that doesn't look right. Erase. Like I sketch. <laughs> I'm like constantly trying to figure out exactly where it's supposed to be. But it's, um, I don't know. One At one point it'll look like moving and then I changed it so much, but you know, it just keeps changing. Like, I don't know, like I think, but I enjoy it for like relaxation. Like, so I don't feel like dancing as like an outlet. Like I have a bunch of acrylic paints too. Like I'll show you, um, I've made, I made like this. Sorry to jump on screen. Oh, you're fine. Like it's nothing major, but like when I was doing Reiki, I like drew like a lot of the symbols for like, this is like the Japanese symbol for um, Seiheiki, it means, um it's like a it's like an emotional healing kind of thing or whatever that's what we use for that's what we use for like emotional healing um but i just like i enjoyed like i bought a bunch of um canvases and like i enjoy like getting paint out and like just drawing but i wasn't gonna draw like a i wasn't gonna paint a face right like so i'm like a symbol was something that like i could still enjoy and like put like lines on a canvas, right? But it's not like in a technical nature, like sketching with trying to sketch a portrait. They're two totally different things, but I feel like they they still give you that peace. Like there's such a peace in creating. Like I don't, I can't explain it, but it brings me a lot of joy. Like I, I painted these way before NFTs. Like I just, this is just, I've, I've done like so many random things around my house. I'm gonna show you a couple other ones. Um, that I just like love. So it's, it's silly shit. But like when I was like, after my first son, I took a bunch of boardwalk wood that we had, like this is from the Asbury park boardwalk. So after hurricane, um, Sandy, the whole boardwalk got ripped up. And my partner at the time was in construction. He had his construction business and he had the opportunity to relay the boardwalk. So we got a ton of the wood and like, um, after my first son was uh, born, I had him bring home a ton of the wood and I just made like random, I just was bored and yeah. I wanted to paint and like make crafts. And so like, this is what I did. I wrote like random words on uh, boardwalk wood and I don't know. I just really had a lot of fun doing it. And then this was the other thing. This is like another just Japanese symbol, but like those were the things I was doing and then I remember one day, like I was looking at the NFTs and I'm like, I wonder if you have to be like a real artist to like make an NFT. Right. And so I started going back through my photography and the imposter syndrome came up, like all of these things. Right. I love creating, but then creating to try to sell it, it feels like super awkward. Like it doesn't feel like, it, I don't know, like it, there's like a disconnect for me, which kind of sucks because it would be great if I, could connect that, right? Well, it's um, like putting out your feelings to the whole world and your art is an expression of you. And no matter how much people pretend like it doesn't matter as artists, when opinions are bad of the art you created, when you put everything into it, it's like, ugh, it hurt. Like, that sucks. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's not even, I don't even know if it's their opinions, right? Um, I think it's more like a vulnerability of sharing a side of you, not so much that like, cause art is so subjective. 
right? Like you, I can be looking at a piece of art and somebody will say something bad about it, but I will see depth in it because I have an artist's eye, an artist's heart. Like it's just, I see, I just see things with rose colored glasses. It's just me. Um, I don't know. I, I, it, that's not what it's about. Like I just, I don't create for that reason. So I feel like it's been hard to try to figure out, like I've wanted to do an NFT, but it's been really hard to figure out exactly what I want to do. Right. Like, cause I, you think about like, if you're going to, if you're going to just approach it as like a one of one as just regular art, like there's people taking images like that and like putting them up and like, but they're like artists, they're like established artists. Right. And that's where I feel like this is that whole thing about like, when you're talking about the college guy, like that's how I feel about like somebody who's been in like galleries or who's been like, I have that same level of like admiration, right. For their work. Um, so it's, I feel like that's very human and natural and it's probably good to be humble. Right. And to like, not, you know, um, I don't know, but I love creating so much. And so I think if you get an iPad, definitely get procreate. Cause I've, I've definitely transferred this like thing that was a hobby into something that I've been like, well, what if, like, what if I could do something with this? Like, what if I could work on sketching? Cause I've always doodled with my kids. I've always like gotten books on how to draw a horse, how to draw a dinosaur and like we sketch it out or whatever. I just, like I said, I enjoy it. It brings me a lot of peace. Um, but it is different going to an iPad. It's a totally, it's a learning curve. Um, but so are NFTs. So the more the merrier. <laughs> Everything is a, a learning curve. It seems. I know. Um, I, I feel like everything you're saying is inherently empathetic. That's how it feels to me is like a lot of the things you're saying about like imposter syndrome i think about the type of people that have it and it's mostly people with a lot of that are you know they're empaths or have a lot of empathy um and sometimes it's it's like i, don't, I can't explain it human nature is very weird very weird right um like even reiki i, I, I you've mentioned it i think twice now and I'm, first of all reiki's life-changing i've done it a couple times um my my girl's uh aunt is level four reiki and what's that the reiki master level yeah oh yeah and i remember the first time we did it she was like i feel like this is so weird i'm like what she's like i've never felt this before i'm like what she's like it feels like there's two people inside of you it's like they're they're fighting with each other and like they're like fighting against each other and constant battling thoughts and i'm like seems right yep mm -hmm. and, and then you know like that was probably the only thing i really remember from that first time the second time though i don't know if she took it as like was taking it easy on me the first time probably um or if she just wanted to prove a point because I was being very stubborn the first time about letting her actually get in. Um, I was doing very good at blocking it to the point where the second time she's like, you're definitely like one of the best people I've ever had that try to block their energy from me. And then like two minutes after that, she was like, I felt like her fingers in my brain and she was like pulling out memories and 
like i've just like was weeping crying not making any noise just like tears streaming down my face just streaming and i'm just like i literally was like <laughs> in my head, i said to her you fucking bitch like in a playful way like i was like completely no, yeah. and i'm like i because she knew what she did she was pretty much done after that um it before she was done though she did the sound bowl and she had me like go face down and i'm just like sitting down there and she hits the bowl and then it, she's like whirling it around and it feels like my my blood is hearing it like that's the only way i could describe it it's like my insides of my body could hear this sound and then all of a sudden she's doom and i feel a hand press on my back and i'm like i'm thinking in my head i'm like how is she spinning the sound bowl or more like this sorry and and touching my back at the same time it wasn't her yeah when i when i when we were done i was like sexy i know you touch my back she's like nope <laughs> <laughs> like oh yeah, um, none of that surprises me, like at all. So I, I have my Reiki master certification as well. I, I love Reiki so much. It's such a beautiful energy, like to work. It's just, it's incredible. Um, you do have to be open to it to receive it, but like, it's it's interesting. I feel like after I went through that like all those attunements and I went through that process, like I feel like I amplified like my empathic ability in a way where I feel like, cause I've always been able to feel energy of other people pretty well. What I had to learn was that I don't have permission. Mm. I don't have permission to read other people's energy all the time. And so um, it's in, it's just an interesting thing. Cause it's just like a natural thing. Like I, I sense it because I'm hypersensitive and because I'm like attuned. Um, but I have to do like protection things to like, make sure I don't absorb other people's shit. So it's like, it's interesting. So one of the things you can do if you're ever in a situation, not that I know you're trying, you, you wanted to not, I, I think you wanted to work with her. I'm not sure. If you ever do want to block your energy, if you just lock your fingers like this and just put them in front of your belly, you'll give yourself um, your own like energetic shield to like block off energy of others. So if you're in a situation like a meeting room or you're in a social situation and you're like an empath and you don't want to be like, that's what, think about people how they naturally go like this. They close off their energy. It's body language. How? This is what I do all the like I'm doing this currently. Like I'm just like this is what I do, especially when I'm like on panels and stuff. I just sit there like my hands are locked. I'm like <laughs> the natural state. I do it I I do it here because this is where my energy center is. Like so I I feel a lot of things. Like I get like a lot of pings. So as soon as I start to feel too much from somebody, I'll just go like this and I'll just like reflect their energy back to them and just won't like absorb it because it's not healthy for me to constantly be like paying attention to that stuff, right? Like it's important not to, to leave it where it's at. Like if somebody doesn't say words to me, then it's not for me to like feel into, right? So, mm -hmm. which is interesting because then when there is dialogue, I'm, I actually feel like the depth of the intention, like behind stuff. 
which is important because you can't go around being like, well, you said this, but you really meant that. <laughs> you can't do that shit. So like it's a gift and a curse because when you have that kind of awareness, it's um, it can make you really sad because there's a lot of hurt people out there. And so like that goes back to our original conversation about how I feel that we need to change the dialogue on how we treat people just in general, yep. um, holding space for people and, and offering love and compassion more so than judgment or like quick assumptions. Like I just, I think we're so conditioned that gossip is like the, the number one drug. Gossip is the number one killer in the world. It just is. It kills families. It kills relationships. It kills friendships. It kills, you know, all kinds of shit. It does. Like, and, and it, and it kills your own like um, energy. So like when you're got, and I've, I've fallen prey to it too. Like I, I found myself like venting at times. Actually, there's this one situation recently where I was talking to somebody and I was sharing more than I probably wanted to in the moment, but I was just not, the, it was like an off moment for me. And I grabbed a chocolate bar and I started eating the chocolate and I'm like, I don't, this is like such a disconnect. I felt so sick afterwards and I caught myself in it happening and like shifted like right away as soon as I realized, like I was like, I don't like this energy, whatever. And then I looked at the chocolate bar and I was like, I was, I was so sick the rest of the day. I was like, serves you right for getting, you know, like happy on it. Cause I know better than to, I don't even need to vent because I feel like venting feeds the negative energy, right? Like I'd rather make art. I'd rather dance. I'd rather journal about it. I'd rather do something that is a constructive um, recalibration of my energy without like if I just then I feel I feel guilty because then I feel like I'm talking bad about somebody, right? Like I don't even like like that. I feel like I don't I just don't like gossip on such a big level that when somebody even gossips to me, I feel super uncomfortable. Like I I've had to learn how to navigate out of those situations, but it's something that is so um it's like it's like people's the people's crack. Mm. It really is. Why? I think it's because uh, a lot of people pretend like their life is so perfect in a sense compared to those people and they try to or maybe not they don't they feel like their life is not perfect I should say actually and those people have it a little worse than them in some sense so to make themselves feel better and their ego feel better they talk about that person because they're at a low place right now and like i, th I think about that all the time like I, I try really 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 hard not to judge people anymore because it's like you don't know my situation i don't know your situation and I, I don't know how you were raised. I don't know what happened with your parents. I don't know what happened in school. I don't know what happened throughout your adulthood. All those defining moments that make you who you are as a human that you probably have told four people in your lifetime. Like it's there's everybody carries around those things of like their demons with them and their past with them and their regrets with them. And everybody fucks up. And it seems like society, if you fuck up one out of a thousand times, the 999 good things don't matter. And it's, it's, it's a harsh society to live in for sure. That, but that's like, um, oh, that makes me so sad. 
I, I just, I, again, that goes back to judgment. I just, I don't know, judgment and shame cycles. It's just yeah. like the whole thing that needs to be undone. <laughs> it's like, and it starts with us. It starts with our behavior and how we approach one another. And like, I saw something recently, and of course it was like an Oprah thing. And it was like, your legacy is literally every conversation you have with somebody. Mm. And I was like, yeah. I fucking love my legacy because I'm good with it. Like I try to leave people better than they found me. Like I don't ever want to like drop shit on people like, and you know, be negative with people. I'm a Jersey girl. So you might catch it. An attitude for me from time to time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Um, but I feel like I genuinely like um, try to see people or notice them, you know, like it's a, it's actually like, I don't even know if it's a goal of mine, but it's something that I find that like, I genuinely do when I connect with people like one-on-one, -on -one. you know, like I let, I just like people. Like, I don't know. It's a, a strange thing. I don't, I don't ever go in thinking like I'm not going to gossip or anything, but I just never find that those are the topics that I bring up. Like, I don't ever talk. It's never about other people. It's always like, what are you doing or what's going on? You know what I mean? Like, like about the hempcrete, like whatever it is. Like, I, it's always about substance. Yeah, I'd much rather talk about ideas than people any day. And unless the ideas involve people that are helping me with the idea, you know, like that's when you talk about people. Um, well, that, but that's what I'm saying, though. Like, I think... Um, I think Gary's book about the 12 and a half will be interesting because I think there's going to be a lot of dudes that read it. Mm. And so I want to see what the male reaction is to whatever he's saying in that book. And I'm also curious on how he kind of gets from like point A to point, you know, B or C or whatever it is. Cause like just to tell somebody to feel these things, there's like, we, we've just touched on a thousand different reasons why people would need to unpack shit before they can even get to that place. So as much as like, I would love for that to be like the, you know, the ingredient list that everybody like takes with them. Like every time they like leave the house or whatever, I don't know that you would take ingredients with you out of the house, but that was bad. But my point is, is that I just, I love those attributes. I love those features about like people, like we were going over the list with the, um, the crew from the clubhouse and it's just I don't know kindness optimism like those are a lot of the things that I feel like I try to like live my life by um so it'll be interesting to see it in a in black and white you know it is the the vfam is a wild thing that I, I could have never predicted to to happen out of you know the v friends drop but it's it's crazy how much a group of people that you either haven't met or like we met for a couple hours barely got to talk and i had i had a really dark day the other day and i put up a post and i tried to make it really generalized but i, didn't, I guess i didn't do a good job because a bunch of people reached out to me like are you all right are you all right and i'm like what like Droshik, Jeremy, like all these people that are reaching out to me, like Amanda DeGuardia, like all of them are like reaching out, like, I'm here for you. Call me. Please let me know. Like, I'm like, what? That doesn't happen. 
that's not people don't do that in my life and it was it was crazy like to see that and like now i just want to spread that into my real life to people and try to you know like i've been secretly in a dark place for over a year now i've been going through some darkness because of just the sheer amount of stuff that just keeps happening it's like it's like we we're we're on cloud nine we're making like 20 to 30 thousand dollars a month in sales and we're we're making so much profit that we're like we paid off like a quarter of our thirty thousand dollar investment in a month and like we're just we're just killing it and then boom shut down go from like 20 to thirty thousand a month to like three to four thousand a month and it never built back up and then in the middle of that me and my partner uh we have a huge disagreement and he basically abandons the company and I'm like, I'm trying to still be a leader for all of our employees and everything and not let them in on what's going on. But major changes are about to happen to their life that they don't know about. And to like for me to go through that whole process, I had to ignore myself because myself wasn't the concern for me. It was like I needed to take care of my team and then I needed to make sure like my family was good and that's it and just completely just like ignored it until like january of this year when everything slowed down again after the holiday rush went away and things slowed down and i had a minute to go oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god and my brain is just like flying and i just like three weeks like straight depression just barely left the house just was stuck and then i'm like i can't do this we got to get up we got to get up we got to get up like what can we do to get up and i'm like I haven't listened to Gary in a while. I guess I'll start listening to Gary again. That usually helps me get back up into where I'm going. And it's just weird timing that that happened like that because three months, well, two months after that, he's talking about this. You need to set up this meta mask thing and you need to make sure you have Ethereum on there for some reason. And I'm like, okay, I'll try. I don't have money right now, but I'll try. And I had like 0.1 Ethereum in there. And I'm like, I can buy something. No, didn't happen. And then I'm, I'm just sitting there like, damn, that sucks. Because I almost bought an Ethereum in October when I was going through all this stuff for when it was $289 for one Ethereum. And I didn't know how to buy it. I just mm-hmm. did not know how to buy it. And I was so overwhelmed that I just did simply Google search. Like, how can I buy Ethereum right now? And that cost me buying a friend. So I was just like, it, it made me like for a second dig back in. And I was like, what the fuck, man? Like, why do I keep making these mistakes? I don't know why. Like, I could have I could have bought 100 Bitcoin for $100 in 2012. Like, why do I keep doing these stupid things? Why do I take stupid risks and not the risk that could make a big difference? And I'm like just killing myself in my head, just like destroying myself. And then I instead of like feeling bad for myself after that, And in order to get out of that, I started just being like, I'm going to help in the discord Mm -hmm. because I realized pretty quickly I wasn't going to get one. Like when he started talking about, you know, 0.5 to one being the floor, I was like, there's no way I can't afford that. There's no way. And. But I I don't know if that's why I won the, the 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 giveaway. Yeah. But like, I literally was just in there like I was 
spamming people saying who needs a clubhouse invite who needs a clubhouse because gary was heavy heavy on clubhouse before that drop um and there were times where people um android didn't have clubhouse back then back in my day and um so i was live streaming the clubhouse like this on the microphone just playing the clubhouse like this for people to watch it in the discord and i posted the link and i i think it was corso they deleted it and i put up another message that said hey admins i'm not trying to spam your page i'm literally live streaming gary talking on clubhouse right now and they messaged and he responded back and said okay you can do that i'll post it for you That's and awesome. then like he like posted it so it was like cool <laughs> and then i won that the goo and it was like it uh, i've said this to people before but it was like a reset for me it was like none of this past year and a half mattered like it, it mattered because it was huge lessons like think about how much i when i think about how much i learned about farming at scale last year i had my ass handed to me fucking 10 times last year like over and over and over like i'm sitting there in july working 10 hour days while my business partner is hiking a mountain for leisure you know like just going through it just like uh, uh, you know and i have I, I can't even like talk to him like because he knows a lot about soil microbiology and stuff i couldn't be like well why is this happening how could we fix this what could we do here because he's not even around <laughs> it's like what the fuck and uh, it, but it taught me so much and luckily the farmer i work with is just an amazing farmer ish you know he needs to learn some new regenerative farming practices but we'll get him there um but yeah it's that re it was just a complete reset for me literally just a complete reset for me and then to come along with that the v fam because as much as i and you know how much what i have in my wallet is worth it's not real to anybody in my life mm you know what i mean like it's it's not real to my fiance until we have a house from it you know or something like that like she's like wait you got an offer for a hundred thousand dollars and didn't take it i'm like yeah babe i'm gonna get 10x that like just let me hold it and <laughs> it's like it's it's really hard to explain to people and that makes it really hard to stay at that high right except when you have a bunch of hype men and women that are <laughs> constantly hyping you and letting you know that one what i'm doing isn't worthless like i was sitting here obsessing over all these environmental things not talking to anybody about it because i was too scared of somebody stealing my idea and i came into the community and was like fuck it and just spilt it all out like i'll just go for it <laughs> and it's like to hear people like you being like just asking engaging questions that make me think too like well, i didn't think about that like how do we come around how do we get around that and it expanded this like in a way that just would not have happened without the vfam yeah. and then on top of that it's like emotional support it's like what the fuck mm -hmm. like how did that just happen like that one little move of just like jabbing and all of a sudden all this good is happening and despite any bad that's happened in that time you know literally like totaled my car the day after winning that <laughs> it's like it's it all seems to balance out in the end it's like things happen for a reason and as as much as i say that mm -hmm. like you can like, see things no you're right it's I, man i relate to what you're saying not in the same things but just in the fact that like um 
you just don't know what other people are dealing with or going through, right? Like it's, that's why like, I think the human connection is awesome. It's great being able to be on Clubhouse and to connect with people and to kind of take your mind off of, it is, I don't wanna say it's escapism, but for me, it totally has been. Like it's, it's been productive escapism. So I'm like, how can I channel my energy into something that will also be valuable, right? Like instead of sitting down and watching like a Netflix, that's like, I don't know. Right, like I'll just I won't. I feel better at least going on Clubhouse and making connections, like making a friend like you, right? Like to me, that's that is if infinitely better than being in like you know. Although I love I love being all cuddled up with a blanket and watching something, but I don't. But it's been a really long time. Like I don't I don't actually sit down and watch TV. It's not. Um, it's just like not a preference. I don't know. Yeah, there's I've been I always feel bad about myself when I watch TV. I'm like, I could be doing something right now. It's not I, that it's not, and... I don't feel bad. Just um something happened where like I wanted to be doing other things. Like I want I had just like an internal drive to be doing other things. Um, and so I felt like it was just a really like piss poor use of my time. <laughs> and so like, there was a period of my yeah. life where like, especially when I was pregnant, that like, I would, I did not feel guilty. I was like, my ass is sitting the fuck down. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not moving. <laughs> like, bring me, bring me something yummy to drink. Like, it just was like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I try not to feel, I try not to beat myself up about anything. The only thing that I tell you I feel guilty about is when I vent about stuff that's going on in my life, even if it's fucking legitimate, even if it for every good reason that a, a person would want to get it off their chest. I just don't like doing it. It's the only thing that makes me really feel guilty. Everything else, I do believe that everything happens for a reason, 100%. Even like some of the really bad shit that I've had to like navigate through. That's why I believe in my spiritual practices because. I genuinely feel that they're what keep you grounded when when shit is, you know, flying. <laughs> it's like what yeah. it is. It, you you get grounded in like your rituals of of spirituality almost like when I was doing yoga and shit every day it's like it, I could feel my mood improving because of my my increased mobility and flexibility and circulation because of those things. It's 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 like no a no brainer why it's good for your brain to do yoga because blood flow equals better brain activity. <laughs> Duh. Hundred percent. Or even even if you're not a yogi, but like doing just the breath work that we uh, were talking about, like I think that that's something that can bring you back to the present. Like I even do like emotional freedom technique. Have you ever heard of that? No. So it's called tapping. Um, it looks a little weird. I'll show you. But you you start by tapping on the karate chop point, right? And so like say you're say you're triggered by something. You would start by saying like that mother you really pissed me off, blah, 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 blah. Like and you start you talk out loud, like stream of consciousness, exactly what you're feeling, and you identify it with words, your emotions, right? And then you move through the different meridians. So then you go right to like the inside of your eyebrow and you tap here. And then you say something else like, um, I felt very triggered because they said this to me, blah, 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 blah. And then you move to the outside and it's like, 
well, that that comes from things in my past that I know are connected to blah, 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 blah. And even though I, and now you move below your, your eye, you, even though I know it's connected to that, I'm still really angry about it. And I need to communicate better on this being a boundary that I don't want cross, you know? So like you, now you're causing solutions, right? So then you go here and you're like, but I'm still really fucking pissed because I've said it before <laughs> and um, I shouldn't have to repeat myself if they know exactly how I feel, right? right? Um, but everybody's human. So now you drop down and you're like, and um, I just need to reinforce my boundary instead of being so reactive right now because this entire situation has control of me. I don't have control of the situation. So like you're still tapping and then you go to your collarbone um, and then you say like whatever and you, you just keep talking yourself off that ledge, right? And then the last spot, it, uh, no, there's two more. You do like under your arm, which is kind of like for girls, it's kind of like where their bikini line would be, right? So you tap there and you use like your four fingers for that spot. And then the last spot is right on top of your head. So like, if you're really triggered, you're probably still cussing maybe to hear, <laughs> but you go through it a couple times. Um, and no, you just, you keep repeating the sequence until you bring your state because what this does, it acts on the meridians of your body. So if you think about like the the meridians in like um, Eastern medicine, mm -hmm. how like Chinese medicine talks a lot about like the meridians. Have you ever? Do you know? As, as far as like chakras and everything, basically, they're connected to the chakras. Yes, yes. Um, it's like currents of energy throughout yeah. your body, like where they they're they're connected to. They do cross over the chakras, but there's lots of different um, places. But what the, it does. So this does that, it activates that, but what you're also doing is you're connecting to the behavior or cognitive um, yeah. conversation. So you're you're now dialoguing with yourself and you're giving yourself a behavior squint that's basically triggering your your um, fight or flight to chill the fuck out, to like go have a seat and, have, and eat a chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> like that's where you're trying to get yourself from this isolated state. So you don't even necessarily like need to be doing yoga or do the like if you're really um, triggered, that's a really great one to instead of telling somebody off in the moment to like go to the bathroom and do that. It's a really cool thing to even do it in the mirror. I've done it like from um, for my son. Like you can do it before you board a plane. Like you can do it. Like I did it for my son. Like he was nervous playing soccer, so we kind of like we went through like a sequence. But you can tailor the words. It doesn't have to be when you're super pissed. That's just like my triggers. <laughs> So um, it can be for other things. Like if you, people work on deep trauma through the same process. So it's, it's definitely worth looking into. I found a lot of value in, in incorporating that as one of my tools. So I don't necessarily lean on one particular thing every day. Again, I, I track my mood throughout my cycle because I have different peaks and valleys of where my energy is. And my productivity changes based on those. So I will I will do things that are more type A during a peak, and then I'll do things that are more creative during a valley. So it's kind of like, and, and people can do that, like men can do that too. If you track the moon, it's very similar to the female cycle in that same energy level, and it does have a gravitational pull on you. So it's definitely affecting you. Um, and you have hormones too. So you definitely have like a hormonal cycle. Um, but once you figure out that your relationship with that, you you can kind of find which one of those tools that I was talking about will best serve you in those pockets of your energy. Because there are times where I don't want to do yoga. I want to dance. 
You know, there's times where I want to paint or I want to write poetry or I, you know, I, I am more triggered a few days before my period. Sorry for everybody listening who doesn't like that word, but oh well. Um, anyway, um, but, you know, I get a little bit more like hot tempered. So I'll, I'll do more of the tapping during that phase because I care about the people in my life <laughs> and I try to just like bite my tongue instead of saying something super sassy that will escalate. I just, I try to like regret, like regain control over my reaction. Right. And it's given me a lot of, um, power in how I want to manage my energy. Right. And, and accountability in doing so. Cause I have the resources to self care. So it's, I don't know. Like I think, um, I love all of that stuff so much. Like I really do. And it's so cool that you did yoga. Um, did you just do like vinyasa, like the like the um, sun salutations, or like just that kind of thing? I would look up like what was bothering me that day. I would do like neck and shoulder <laughs> yoga, and like I was really trying to help my physical pain. To be honest, because okay. just another thing I've ignored for so long. Like I've when when you come to the, at like twenty eight, I was like, dude, I've been in pain for fifteen years. Like, and I, it just, like, dawned on me, like, holy shit, like, every day of my life for 15 years I've been in pain, whether it's a migraine, my knee hurting, my neck from scoliosis hurting, like, something has bothered me, and I've done nothing to help it. I'm not going to the gym, I'm not staying strong, so I need to do something to help myself, and it, it definitely try, helps. Try the tapping. I know that's different tools, the yoga is great, obviously, from the physical aspect because it opens up all those meridians, right? Like it just does. Um, but if you do the tapping and try to talk, like I'll actually send you a, re I'm going to send you a resource because there, I know there was a story of a man who was in a car accident and he had really bad pain from the car accident plus trauma from remembering it, right? So he had both. Um, and the tapping is what helped him like get over that it's helping yeah. people stop smoking cigarettes like it's like it, like hypnosis would right like it just i'll send you the resource because yeah. I, it, yeah. I can't say that it you know i don't know what i can actually legally say about it <laughs> like i don't know what the the right verbiage right because i don't want to be like oh it'll help you heal your pain because that'll be totally not fda appropriate or whatever that Whatever. Yeah, but you're making been, claims. You're us right now. Your 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 whole podcast is not being aired anywhere because I've broken every rule. Yeah. Um, sorry, but I'll send you I'll send you the information. There's a um, I think there's an app like the tapping app you can look up. Uh, Nick Ortner, Jessica Ortner, and I think there's another brother. They uh, did a documentary on it, and they worked with so many different people. That's not who I found out from. I, of course, found from Gabby Bernstein because she's been, like, one of my teachers forever. Do you know who she is? No. Um, so she wrote The Universe Has Your Back. Do you know that? Yep. Yeah. So she she wrote that book. I She does a lot of the oracle cards that I pull. Um, she's, like, created a bunch of decks and helped me step further into my will. I tried the other <laughs> I tried the other night to say that I I'm just woo because my girlfriend taught me this. She's like, oh, you're just woo. One woo, not two, because like that just means you're still pragmatic, but you're just you got a little woo in you. 
<laughs> I dig that. But the other day they called me out. They were like, no, no, no. You, you're woo-woo. Like, you're definitely woo-woo. The whole room, people actually came up from the audience just to tell me on Clubhouse that I'm woo-woo and that I need to embrace my woo-woo. I'm like, oh, fuck. You guys have been the one listening to me this whole, like, you know, five months or whatever, getting to know my, like, personality. And they called me right the fuck out. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think... Part of that, though, is because not everybody's at the same level of spirituality and understanding. So when we talk about things like we've talked about tonight, people are like, these fucking people are crazy. <laughs> no. What's wrong with these people? And we're just like, what do you mean? This is what makes sense. <laughs> if you really look at it, this is what makes sense. And they're like, that's not what I was taught. That's not right. It's mm-hmm. It's the same with everything. Like, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. It is. Well, thank you for. I feel like I'm in good company tonight, at least with talking about these topics. I did not feel like I needed to. Um, yeah, like I feel like you don't judge it because you're into it, right? Like it's, um, and you understand it. I don't know. I think um, you're very easygoing in that sense with a lot of things. Yeah, I'm a I'm a chameleon. I'm I'm very much like I I because of my empath nature, I try to make everybody around me feel comfortable. And that's why I like so many times like on Clubhouse, I'll go in and just listen for an hour before I say a word. Because I'm I'm just like I don't want to interrupt their conversation. I don't want to do this. Like once in a while if I have something funny to say, like I'll interject and just be funny for a second. But that's literally it. Because I can't help myself sometimes. Um <laughs> but hard to go in um to rooms and listen unless i like want to actively like engage in the energy because i feel like you can go in a room and like you can feel like the entire pulse of the space like how do you like how do you deal with that on clubhouse because like i feel like sometimes i just need to disconnect like because hosting takes a lot of on energy as you know right like i don't need to tell you that <laughs> like it's you know i feel like i have to talk you have to actively listen not that i have to but in order to do it well, you know, and I'm still working on the whole, um, somebody said three sentence rule. I was like, me? Three sentences? Like, I don't even know if I can figure that out. Like, I, I don't think that's possible. Could you ever see me only saying three sentences? No. I couldn't do it either. I just, I'm too chatty. I will work on it in certain, like in a business situation, like I get like the, you have to be concise and different things like that. But on Clubhouse, I'm like, let her rip. Yep. <laughs> have fun. Yeah. I mean, you have to just like not judge yourself. You know what I mean? Like as the host of a show, you have so much responsibility, honestly. Like there's been some shows I've had where my guest just isn't feeling it. You know, like it happens once in a while. And I have to literally every time I say something, pick the conversation up from dead. And, and like, okay that was i guess that wasn't so much an open-ended question uh what else what else what else like, when said, like i don't want an awkward silence like dead air to me is like i i don't like it it makes me like oh people are gonna leave <laughs> oh i um it's it's interesting that you say that about the dead air because the times that i don't respond it gets awkward because i'm like why is nobody jumping in i'm like i'm trying not to like jump on the mic i'm like somebody else take it it's just I have to like uh, sometimes call on somebody, right? Or like leave enough of a pause that somebody else will jump in there. But 
it is kind of interesting when you play around with that dead space to see, you know, if you can leave an opening for somebody else to go in and stuff. It Finding a lot of that nuance has been a learning experience for me, right? Just trying to figure out not talking at the same time. I'm an interrupter because I get excited. So I'm like, shut the fuck up, Nick. Stop interrupting people. Like, you know, I realize what I said that too when you listen back to it on a podcast. So it's just, like you said, don't judge yourself, but it's good to learn. But it's also good to embrace who I am. Like, I, I can't be auto-correcting who I am all the time, right? Like, that's one of the reasons why I just let my cuss words fall out of my mouth because I'm like, exactly. that's how I talk. Like, if you were to call me on the phone, that's how I'm going to talk to you. So I'm going to talk to you like that here. So I don't know. That's just my take. Sorry, I, Isaac just called me. I, I thought I just screwed everything up, but it didn't. And I just, I felt bad about banging the reject button on him. <laughs> I just texted him like, hey, I'm on my show. I'll hit you up when I'm done. <laughs> and I was checking my phone because my phone was blowing up while I was sitting here. Aha, uh -huh, there you go. Um, yeah, I think people really need to get in tune with themselves more and a lot of the times i feel like uh people would rather just mask everything and hide everything and that's why i personally love mushrooms because my natural state my natural mindset is to take everything that bottles me bothers me and just bottle it up don't burden people with your issues nobody gives a fuck Nobody wants, nobody's going to be able to help you because they don't know your exact situation. So they can give an opinion, but it probably doesn't mean shit. Like, so what do you even do? <laughs> well, that's why you, you paint or you sketch or you write poetry or you write raps, right? Like that's what you did. That's what you poured your heart into your music. Like you've done that. Like, man, I, you know what? First of all, why have we never talked about this? I am let me tell you, I want to make audio video NFTs. Like I, I need to, we need to collaborate. Like the, the amount of ideas that I have, they're insanely sick and good. They're like really fucking good. I'm telling you, but I need, I need to work with people that like have that same vibe and creativity. And like, I love hip hop and like, there's just, I, so I dance too. Like I've thought there's so many things that I've, I've thought about taking like my dance chore or choreography and like using the, like animating my image and not having it, be me, but animating my image and then dropping that to beats. And I like, I want to do that. That's like one of the NFTs I want to create. Like I have a fucking list of NFTs I want to create, like, but, but I would need beats. And so I'm like, I've been asking my brother. He creates beats, but he's into like um, that other kind of music. That like, I don't. He's younger, so what they oh, like? Oh, like the thing they call hip hop, but it's not. No, it's not hip hop. It's like uh, like it's like it's like dubstep, something like that. It's yeah. that. It's definitely that. <laughs> yep, yep. Only his has more like. It's like a hard hits. It's almost like metal hitting metal. It's like the way his is like sounds so industrial. It's, he has a different sound. He's got a, a different sound. It, it is what he does is pretty cool, but he got so swept up in what he was doing. He's DJing and doing shit after COVID. And he was like, I love you, sis, but like, I'll get to you when I get to you. And I'm like, make me some beats. Um, he sent me one track 
And I liked part of it and I started playing around with it and I realized that I like to manipulate the audio. And I was like, ooh, like I wish that I knew how to create my own because he sent me like a few resources. I just haven't played with it. I think that'll probably be in my 10 year plan at some point I will learn how to do that because the idea of like taking image and like creating music behind it that works like is it just lights me up. I can feel it in my hips. Like I just got so excited and I can't even tell you how much it excites me. So, so do you still create music? Like, what do you do? Like, where do you get your beats from? And like, are you, do you write just the raps? Like, what is your process? I want to know. I usually get my beats from my friends. Like I have a bunch of friends after making music for basically 20 years, almost it's been 18 years. Um, it, after making music for so long when i hit people up for beats they don't charge me they just send me a folder full of beats because they're like dude what you're making music again here and so i have folders of beats sitting around um i haven't had much time to make music lately i i have made i have almost an ep done um i i, I say that, that's so funny i say i haven't had much time to make music yet i released a full-length album this year in march you know it was my first album i released in four years uh no five years five years actually um and then i'm thinking about releasing another one december 19th and i'm just like but i'm still telling people i'm not making music you know like (laughs) well i don't know what that's about that's obviously not true because you're obviously making music um so congratulations on your album first of all the ep i know they're different i get i always say it and musician knows the difference right Mm -hmm. so what is the difference (laughs) tell me the ep is like on an album you have like 13 good songs and then you have like four to eight really good songs and then you have like three amazing songs that you end up making your singles that's usually how like albums work like you most albums there are a few in history obviously but most albums do not have the full front to back full replay value so um what people do for eps and it's it's a it's a double-edged sword because you could do it wrong is you make like a four pack or a five pack or a three pack of songs and they have to be bangers all of them every single one that you put on there has to be fire beginning to end it cannot be anything less and the songs that i've put together have been my dark place finally getting like here here it is it's on paper now like it doesn't bother me so much and like like this year december 19th is my my unfortunately 10 years since my nana passed away and she was like my mom um so you know i finally talked about that in a song i haven't talked about that ever people have always asked why have you made a song for your nana like i didn't make a song for her yet i'm actually i have a few ideas of what i want to do but um just to talk you know about the details of of you know the the regret and like guilt i felt not being there towards the end of her life as much as i should have been and just reflecting on everything that was happening at that time because i was like in marine corps boot camp when she was first declining 
and I wanted to leave. I was like, I need to go home. I need to be with my Nana. Like, what the fuck? I'll come back. Just let me leave. I need to leave. I need to go. I need to go. And like, I'm having panic attacks like at boot camp. Like, I'm so pumped to get to boot camp. I was, I thought it was going to change my life for the better. Like, this is my path. I'm going to go down this. And then I get there and find that out and just want to go home. And they from then treated me like I was just trying to quit. And I was just like, no, I'm not trying to quit, guys. I'm literally trying to go see my grandmother. That is it. I will come back. I'll start over. I don't care. Like, I'll start at day one. You can harass me again. You can haze me again. I don't care. Just let me go home. And they wouldn't let me do it. So I kept grinding through boot camp until I blew out my knee in boot camp. And at the time, it was like, one of the worst things that ever happened in my life because my Nana's sick. I don't know if she's going to die. I'm trapped in South Carolina, like prison. Basically I'm, I can't leave no matter what I, if, if my parents like showed up and were like, he's coming with us, it wouldn't happen. I signed my life away to the government, <laughs> you know, like I signed my life away to the Marine Corps. So when, when I, when I hurt my knee and then because I hurt my knee, they were because of well because of the panic attacks when i hurt my knee they thought i was faking it until the navy doctors were like dude look at his fucking knee it's the size of a fucking uh cantaloupe like it was literally like this big blown up and i was because i blew it out and then i kept drilling on it so like with all your packs on it you're marching (laughs) and it, it was just destroying it and um they they sent me to the rehab platoon where they're supposed to rehabilitate you and they were just like you know you're going back to training soon right we're not fucking helping you you fucking pussy like you're lying we know you're fucking lying like and i'm just like bruh like look at my knee so they they tried they didn't try they did uh try to force me to go back to boot camp they made me do the pt test and they made me run and i i can't run and they said, too fucking bad, run. So I I ran. And I, it was like a hobble, more of a hobble than a run. And I got one time around, they're like, sit the fuck down. I was like, what? They're like, don't fucking want me, sit the fuck down. And I'm, they didn't give me any instructions after that. Just like they, one of them left. They got like another drill instructor. And I'm just sitting there like in a panic, like what is about to happen? And I remember at that point, I, I haven't seen a woman in two months and I forgot that the Marine Corps is like, there's female drill instructors and there's male drill instructors. Mm-hmm. So the drill instructor came up to me and I didn't even look at them because you're not supposed to look at them in the eyes. And I just said, yes, sir. And I looked at, I was like, oh, fuck. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So she's like, do I look like a fucking sir to you? I started like screaming in my face. I'm like, ah, fucked up. <laughs> but yeah. My, my like, stepdad gonna... is a Marine. I know Same. exactly what you're talking about. Same. My, my stepdad was a Vietnam Marine, and that was my my stepdad's dad was. That's or, no, it wasn't Vietnam. It was Korea, the Korean War. Sorry, mm-hmm. but still stories. Yeah, it's a it's a tough it's tough when uh, people have that attitude around you that's a psychological mind fuck what you went through boot camp is no joke and like what actually happens from like it's nuts mm-hmm. i fucking nuts 
Did you, what did you end up doing? Um, did you end up staying in, in the Marine Corps? Or did you get discharged after that, like after that whole incident? So because they literally were basically refusing to let me leave, I used the medical information that I had withheld in the beginning to my advantage. And I knew that I might be dishonorably discharged for it. And it might ruin my whole life. <laughs> but I was like, I, I'm done. Fuck them. I don't want anything to do with this. Fuck the Marines. Like, I don't want anything to do with this shit. Fuck that. Like, this is not for me. Um, and eventually they let me go after it was, I spent three weeks in training. I spent three weeks in the rehab platoon, not rehabbing. And then another three weeks just in the separation platoon while they were just like dilly dallying to get us gone. They they knew we were leaving. We they knew we wouldn't be Marines. They put the the discharge platoon right next to the graduation stage too. So once a week you hear graduations and you're seeing these beautiful women that are coming to see their husbands and their families that are so proud of them and we're just watching them in our little. They make us wear like um, a a. a uh, army green shirt with short short like skivvy shorts on and a, a highlighter thing across your whole body that basically like hey this guy's a fucking pussy like it, so everybody in there knows and they know exactly what the symbolism of it means so the whole time they just fucked with me until i left and that was actually um i got home in june and in november is when i had my blood clot and I did not even think about this until recently because of what's happening in modern day. But when you join the military, you get a scary amount of vaccines, a scary amount of vaccines. I probably, I got between 10 to 12 vaccines injected to me at once. Like literally they, they, they make you bend over, pull down your pants, shoot you in the ass with like a shot of three different things. And then you walk down an aisle and there's a nurse on either side of your shoulder, just jab, 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 jab. And I got to the end and I almost passed out. Like they made me sit down and then I got extremely deathly ill. And then a few months after that, I had a blood clot and I'd never even knew like vaccination reactions were a thing. Like, I didn't know people could be allergic to them and it could cause blood clots. Because they don't want you talking about it. Exactly. And I'm like telling now, you, we broke the internet. They're, this is not getting aired to anybody. They're they're shutting this down and everything. There's going to be a factor on this. <laughs> that's why I love Reddit. Like, that's why, like, you know, there's been probably two people that I've watched from Facebook this whole time. I've honestly been debating just getting rid of Facebook altogether. I'm so over it. Like, I deleted the app three days ago and my quality of life improved already like because I, I check facebook once or twice a day now for like three minutes i'm like oh those are my notifications cool i'm done like i used to be on it every day like constantly i used to like love facebook and i just i don't have that same relationship with it anymore i broke up with facebook and things have just never been the same <laughs> it's like I just, so much better it's like a positive space twitter depending on who you follow it's a very positive space i only follow positive people on there uh instagram same thing but it seems like facebook really manipulates the algorithms to make it so that way we're only seeing the things that trigger us like they know what triggers us and they pick one of us like the, the weird thing is i'll be thinking like oh i need this thing and then all of a sudden i'm like 
wow. <laughs> like, wow. But like, I'll be like, I only thought that. <laughs> like, I didn't even type it into my browser. I didn't even type it on. I'm like, that's how much they know that I'm going to be thinking that next. I don't know. It's there. It's tech is trippy to me, but I want to know how it works so bad. <laughs> like, I have such like an eager desire to like understand all. I think that's why I love the NFT space so much because I learn. That's also why I love Clubhouse because I remember when I first got on there, I was like jumping into AI rooms, hearing about like, just all these different possibilities with NFTs that go so beyond like what we talk about in our clubhouses that like we pop through. Um, there was like a, a huge amount of energy on Clubhouse at one point about NFTs. Oh yeah. There was like this peak, but it was before V Friends. It was like back when maybe I don't know. You said you were streaming Gary from like a Clubhouse. It wasn't the one that he he hadn't given you the go yet. So he was doing like a lot of Clubhouse like pop ins back then because he was kind of like warming up people. I said the other day, like Paris Hilton too, she was she was coming in and sitting in the rooms, right? Like just chilling. Like actually she's like super hella chill. Like the way she looks, like I feel like on the like, way she brands herself and then like just the way she kind of like talked in the room. I feel like she's just like a chill person, you know? Like it's funny to like, I don't know. I, that's what I like about Clubhouse. I feel like you get a sense of people. Right. Yeah. And so but she did a really cool thing where she um commissioned a bunch of artists. I think it was like seven, it was called the Sevens Grant. I think she got like seven female artists to submit a piece and they got like chosen to be a part of it or whatever. And it was like her way of like getting female artists to walk in the spaces because like um back then there was a lot of male dominated rooms. And so when I was going in and asking questions, I was feeling like a total noob and like the, um, the people, and I'm talking more specifically like NFT related stuff for this. Um, Cause like I would be a noob in like an AI room. Obviously I'm not a tech genius. Um, but in, in those spaces, like there's this one artist Ward Warhodl. He creates these. I love it. He creates these, like Campbell's soup cans, like uh, Andy Warhol, right? Yep. You know how you did the soup cans, um, which I'm, I like love. I love his art. So, but the war model, he took the uh, cans and he made them into like a clubhouse logo for one. Then he um, did one that said like, let her speak. Um, he's done like ones for like Bitcoin or just like different things that are like culturally relevant to like what is go was going on with NFTs. But the let her speak thing um, was really relevant because it was happening in every room. Every room I would go into, a woman would speak and she'd get talked over or women were more soft-spoken. And I was having really high anxiety at that point because I hadn't, I hadn't like modded rooms. I hadn't talked on Clubhouse much. And like every time I got on a stage in Clubhouse in these big rooms and spoke, I felt like I was dying inside. Like my anxiety was so bad. It was so bad. Even the first couple of times that I like hosted, like it was a personal challenge of mine to like push past this just so that I could like be in a comfort zone with it. Now I'm like, I don't even sweat it. I'm like, yeah, sure. Like let's go on Clubhouse and talk. But it, it's come such a long way. But those rooms 
were incredible because you would have so many different types of people. But I've been in the room with like the game. Like he's been in the room talking about NFTs like from back then. I think it was him and Snoop Dogg. I think it was. I don't know if Snoop, I have to look at my screenshot. I have a screenshot of it somewhere. I'm not going to get that, but my, my computer's going to die on you. And if I don't plug it in. Um, but I remember being and they were talking about how there's how they were uh, wanting to get the information out to like uh, black and brown communities. And it was just a really great conversation to be a part of. I did not speak in that room, by the way, but it was really funny to see some of the people like geek out over a celebrity, like over the celebrities, like some people who I thought had a lot of composure were like, oh my God, you know. I'm pretty sure it was Snoop because I, I think that's why it was like such a big deal. I do, but I'll have to check because he's supposedly like a huge collector in like the NFT space. But um, I jumped there, but I was really talking about what Paris did. She got like a lot of women on those stages to actually take the mic. So I was giving the backstory of the context as to why, um, why that art from Warhol was even made is because it was such a, pro a problem but there were so many rooms. Like, I kid you not, there were so many rooms and hundreds of people in these rooms sharing ideas about NFTs till like three, four in the morning, like every night. You could literally not sleep, wake up and open your phone and you could go on a clubhouse and there was something about NFTs. The ones that we go in now, they're not nearly as cool as what I was listening to then like I couldn't I couldn't stop I could I, it was like my crack I, was like, I guess I'm using that reference people are gonna think I like I don't <laughs> I don't partake people don't make assumptions I, I know what you mean though because like especially like after I won the goo and there's all this momentum and like excitement behind clubhouse for me I like every night for like a month straight i just was up until two three in the morning talking to people on clubhouse or listening to people on clubhouse and you know just like holy shit like i had to calm down from that a hundred percent and and that's how i felt in the beginning with the nfts because i was trying to learn like a sponge i was taking it all in and um there were so many ideas floating around like I would go into rooms about music and NFTs and my mind would be blown, right? And then I'd go into rooms about the metaverse and then my mind would be blown. And I just was like, I just was like, the possibilities are so infinite, like with what can actually be built here. But it, but I also had to like try to understand the tech and like understand the terminology and stuff. And, and then also then try to use it and then realize I was using it wrong and backwards and upside down. And like, I'm like, you gotta like, you just got to keep trying until you actually get to a point where you say it right. <laughs> like that's kind of what it is. But, um, it's a cool experience. I love the NFT space. It's been interesting for sure. And we're just getting started, you know, like this is barely a drop in the bucket compared to what's about to happen. And that's why I tell people all the time, like whether you like it or not, I'm going to teach you about NFTs. I'm going to talk about NFTs and you might be annoyed with me, but in five years, I'm going to say, I told you so fucking told you like i'm finally early on something and i'm trying to tell people and i i could see the frustration of like gary talks about all the time about how he tried to tell people like no this is this internet shit this is the future and people are like 
<laughs> that's cute newspaper is what's really gonna be the future you know like <laughs> yeah you know, it, like that's his whole thing like don't try to convince people i just i don't even i went to a soccer game was it a week ago and one of the dads there was like so what have you been up to I was like you really want to know <laughs> like and i told him and he was like tell me more, send me articles. So I'm dropping in like articles and stuff. And it was like the best, I had like a two hour conversation with this dude about NFTs, about I'm showing him the assets that I have. And he's like, no way. He's like, I definitely have to, because he's into, he's into trading sports cards. So like he, it was like instantly understood like what was at play. The arbitrage. Uh, yeah, it was just it was cool. It was a really good conversation. But then but then I felt bad because then his wife came over and I'm like, I have nothing to say to you. <laughs> I like I felt so bad. I'm like the worst soccer mom because I'm like not like the other moms. I just I'm not I'm I'm, I'm like, yeah. But we, we talked about NFTs for a while and and then we talked about our kids in school. <laughs> I mean, once the conversation shifted to the women, yeah, it became a different thing. Which is why I want I want to see more women in the space. But I feel like the people that are interested in it are they're the dudes. Yeah, uh, it seems to be that way. But it it does. I mean, not so much in the V friends community. I feel like there is still a heavy sway in the male side. There really is. I'm I'm it's thinking about it. Now. Yeah, and that's why I think the female creators have a harder time because they're not in like the bro relationships. They're not like, yo, bro, yo, bro. Like, <laughs> look at this meme, bro. Like, it's not like that. <laughs> I don't know. And I'm not knocking it. It's cool. But like there can be a disconnect between like the art that like the female creators are creating to whether or not it's actually like received well by the um, like the men in the space. Right. So like that's where like the artist community was cool because like the artists support other artists because like right like the the there's no they definitely try to elevate the voices like they noticed that there was an issue with the women so the, that's why they were creating art pieces like let her speak to bring you know to bring awareness to it so that everybody got their voice and that everybody could create their art and it's just it's been a really cool thing to um, be a part of I I just even from a learning standpoint, it's just been honestly a blessing, especially in my life, you know, and on a very personal level, it's been a, a huge blessing. So I'm, I'm very grateful. Yeah. The amount of people in my life that are, weren't here on May 24th, <laughs> you know, like literally May 24th, that was not that long ago. And they are now here. And on top of that, I have at least six figures just sitting there, at least. How wild! And, and the because of the community around this, I raised seven thousand dollars in like four days in order to grow this year. I just flipped one of my grill gangs for I bought it for 0.08 ETH after gas and everything. I think it was 0.06 to mint, and then it was like 0.02 for all the gas and the ticket and whatnot. And I flipped it for 2.22 ETH a day later, 24 hours later. And I was like, did I just make $6,300 profit? What the fuck was that? And like, that's just because I was holding a V friend 
and I wanted to get a free grill gang. I didn't. I thought, self, let's pay attention to patterns here. When the Avastars came out, what happened? The mint price jumped 5x in a day. When um, Dapper Dinos came out, what happened? The mint price, it was quadrupled in a day again. So I'm like sitting in my head. I'm like, okay, I could probably double my money if I just mint one. I'll, I'll double my money. That'll be super dope. That'll be helpful. And then when I got, when I looked it up on Rarity Tools, mine is number 199 out of 5,555, or was 199. Um, and it, it's just crazy because without the V friend, I don't know if that would have happened. Without that goo giveaway to like force me to get into NFTs, it was like, mm. it was like, here, you're into NFTs now. Ha <laughs> ha. Like, <laughs> And then it's like, because of that, my brain is just like, okay, what can I do with this? What can I do that's different? Like, what is, what are people not doing? Wait a second. This is basically crowdfunding. I could crowdfund my project. What the fuck? Like, it's just the, the snowball effect that's happened because of this community and because of Gary V and V friends has changed thousands of lives, literally. Hmm. And we're not even getting started. Like we still haven't even like we met, but like I don't feel like we really did because like we didn't really get to talk much, and we I missed out on dinner. So like it was that's where conversations happen. Like you break bread. Although I heard that it was kind of loud in there for conversations and stuff, but um, that's usually where where conversations happen. The most fruitful conversations is while you're breaking bread. It's a vulnerable time for you as a human being psychologically. You're eating. You're letting your guard down, and when you do that, you really get to know. <laughs> I'm not talking. I'm shoving my face. <laughs> One time I'm quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the dude that like you know, everybody will be done. What did you say? I was laughing about like eating, how I would like be eating a burger or something. And I know, wait, I don't mean to offend you. Wait, here's your vegan, right? No, I was vegetarian. Okay. I actually stopped about a month and a half ago. I was vegetarian for like five years though. Mm, that's a, that's my, I grew up, my, one of my girlfriends was vegan from like childhood. She like knew. And I remember being in high school with her and she'd be like trying to get me to eat like all different vegan foods. And it was before there was options, right? Like, you know, and I was like, how could you eat this stuff? Yeah. We'd go to the Olive Garden and we'd get like endless soup and salad because she could, she could do that. So that was like, th those were our like girl dates. We would go to the Olive Garden and share that. Cause it's like the one place we could go to where I didn't have to worry about her not being able to find something on the menu. Oh my God. She wouldn't eat the breadsticks either because of the butter, huh? I No, probably. No, I can't remember, but probably not. Yeah. I ate all the breadsticks, every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> In one sitting. Oh, every yeah. one of them. You're making me want some Olive Garden breadsticks now. For a while, I was obsessed with their dressing, mm. like the, the Olive Garden dressing. I would like rave about it to my mother because I was like, I wish you could get dressing like that. And then one, then one year they bottled it. We didn't end up buying it, but it was, I must not have been the only one who had it, who had the idea that they needed to bottle it because it's that damn good. Hell yeah. It's like not damn good, but I enjoyed it when I was young. <laughs> Yeah, that, that house-made Italian for Olive Garden is really, 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 really good. And they're not a sponsor of the show. <laughs> no, you can be, Olive Garden. You can reach out, Adam, at <laughs> <laughs> Um, But yeah, 
really funny. <laughs> yeah. Holy, I, I do the, I've done this all six shows this season where I've gone two hours before I looked at the clock and I just you know how long we talked? Yeah, it's two hours and fifteen minutes we've been live. Holy shit. I, I, I must be yeah, this is what happens to me in Clubhouse. People are like, how can you do a two-hour show? I'm like, because I don't shut up. <laughs> 30 people in there that I really want to talk to. <laughs> like, <laughs> I also I talk a lot. That too. I yeah. love I love conversation. So I, I would be here for another hour if you if you didn't stop us. So we should probably we should probably wrap considering it is almost midnight here and get True. decent night's sleep. Um but thank you for for having me on. This was really cool. I had no idea what to expect. I was like, is this gonna be like a meta journey Monday? Are you guys gonna ask me about my life? Do I need to prepare? <laughs> Yeah, you you definitely seemed worried yesterday. Like, wait, is this is the show just like all about me? And I'm like, kinda. I mean, it's like about you, but like, just you, you, not like you know, like not like the deep dive we did on Meta Monday. Oh my God. Um. Yeah. So that we'll be putting those out this week. So I have a lot of podcasts to drop. <laughs> okay. So don't uh, I don't have a schedule. <laughs> I, I get so overwhelmed with um like just uploading the stupid podcast it's like i'll download it as soon as the show's done and then i want it to be up saturday and it'll be saturday and i didn't upload it i'm like fuck like adam it takes five minutes literally five it minutes. does not take me five minutes it does not take me five minutes it takes me a really long time because i have to like i have to like dice it up and do all these like steps it's not if I had a five minute process, I would have a schedule, but because I don't, I do it. What do you mean to cut it up? So like, do you take that conversation and like add things in the middle no, of it? Like, I literally just dice it into a bunch of different ones just so that I can upload it into smaller bites into the, um, the platform that like puts it out for me. Uh, so, like, I have to like, make sure it's under a certain like MB, what is it? Megabyte. Right. So that it'll like upload, but because they're frigging two hours long, it's like a massive file and I can't just upload the whole thing. And so I usually just like dice it up into smaller sections and I have to, I have to do all the metadata and like convert it over. And like, it's, it's just time consuming. It's not, I'm not complaining. It just takes me, if I was being fast about it and I was not doing any of the amplification, like in cleaning up the audio at all, and I was just dicing it up. It would probably take me about 20 minutes. Probably a half an hour because my kids would definitely ask me for something. At, yeah. least, at least once or twice. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it would be um, – it takes that – it just takes a long time to to go through the two hours. I, I end up making like five or six little micro things. And then that's what gets uploaded into the thing. But then, then I have to wait for those to process. So then that gets over there and I wait for that to hit a hundred percent. And then I drag, then I do the other one. It's just like a, it's like a waiting game. It's I so if I unlock something in acre, because I, I literally download my file and just upload the whole three hour podcast onto, onto anchor and, and they do sponsor me. So ha, ah, shout out to anchor. <laughs> but, <laughs> 
Yeah, um, I don't. That doesn't do that for me. And I mean, I can I can show you one time. Like I'll I'll film it and send it to you when I'm doing it. But it's it's tedious and annoying, and I don't like it. Like I enjoy I. I did like learning about the podcasting process when I was like learning to clean up the audio and like get those certain things out, like the plosives and stuff like that makes sense. Um, and I don't mind doing that, but like to go back through two hours of audio takes two hours, right? You have to sit back and you have to listen to it. So I was doing that at the beginning to try to clean them all up, but it just, it wasn't conducive to like my, like my output, like what I, you know, being two hours in Clubhouse and then doing two hours to do that and then another half an hour to, like, actually edit the shit to, like, get it uploaded. Maybe a good hour because I'm slow. But, like, you know, it just, it, I don't know. So I basically said, I'm not, I'm, it's going to be by surprise. So I'm going to just drop, drop podcast by surprise. Like, when I get it done, I get it done. And I'm not going to make myself crazy about it because whatever. Everybody else wants it to be on a schedule. So someone can volunteer and do it. <laughs> but I'm not doing it. Right? I just, I don't know. I know you, I know you did offer to help, but like, I just feel like I don't like to um, put any kind of like tasks or responsibility on somebody if I, if I'm not paying them, like I feel weird about that. So um, that's been like the hardest thing about getting like help in the clubhouse to do some of the like things that require a lot of things that are not seen by people. Right, like people see you open up the clubhouse, but they don't really see like what actually goes into creating, to even getting the PO app for people. I don't even think people realize that the PO app is like, I consider it free money. Like yeah. it's, I'm like, this is something that like could potentially have value for you down the road. Like it just does. Um, buttons. Yeah, well, listen, by that point, maybe it, will, it won't be an issue. Maybe the gray won't be like a thing, right? Like maybe it won't, won't, it will always be a thing, but maybe it won't be so much of an issue. I was saying the, the PO apps, like it's just so easy. It's a couple clicks oh. and all of a sudden you have this potential money in your pocket. Like literally it's it's that simple. It's like you you click a link, you enter your Ethereum address and voila, you're done. Like <laughs> Right, but so like nobody knows the process that goes into actually getting that done right coordinating with an artist open what you have to mint it like similar to open essentially no like there's just a there's just a po app there's like a logistics on like getting the claim link set up and like getting the event done and everything like that but there's also like the, getting the artist um the artwork right from the artist and different things like that and trying to create like It'd be, I can do art every week for it. That's fine. But to try to actually make it be a collection, like what the vision for it is, requires a lot of unseen work behind the scenes kind of things. Mm. Um, anyway, I, I'd rather, when once I realized it took on the podcasting and I realized the strap of the energy, like how I was so strapped for time, even off, off air, that I was like, what I really want to focus on is the POAP project more than I want to focus on the podcasting. It's cool that we're documenting it because I want to eventually have all that stuff as like a time capsule for like the community. Mm -hmm. But if, but even if I could eventually get to a place where I can take the long form and do the Gary thing where we dice it up and actually have shorter content, we can always look back on it at a later time. So I'm not so much worried about like, 
like you said, like, I don't feel bad about like not having it out on a Tuesday if we did something on a Monday kind of thing is my point. So that was my long way of agreeing with you, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I got to get better about just not judging myself because it's like I'm already doing the live show. It takes a lot of energy to do a live show, especially after like for the past every show, actually, this this season. I've been coming home from my side job at 9.15 and then being live at 9.30, like, and just making that switch of, like, okay, I'm no longer just chilling in my car, smoking and shit. <laughs> I'm on. Like, I have to be on. And, like, days like today, I, don't, I try not to drink caffeine more than three days in a row, but it, it seems to be, like, Thursdays are following falling on that fourth day lately, and I'm, like, I'm drinking it, you know, like I found this energy drink that isn't too bad for you. It's like only 160 milligrams of caffeine. So it's not a shit ton. Like I used to drink three cups of coffee a day, four cups of coffee a day. Um, and then it has no sugar, no like other nasty shit in it. And then it has like amino acids and B12 vitamins and all that stuff. So like my body craves this shit. Like it's like I don't even crave the caffeine because caffeine doesn't do that much for me. But like the other stuff in it, I feel like my body's like, we need that. Give it to me. <laughs> I um, Yeah, no, I drink a lot of coffee and I think sometimes I drink too much as well. I I think three three cups max is like my limit for the day. Two cups is usually like my um, on my tired days, I guess you could say. I go, but I try to I try to stick to just one and then water. Mm. But I probably, I'm a big water drinker now that I'm an old woman. You're not old, but also <laughs> I am. I am a water drinker as well. <laughs> Cheers to that, because I it's it's the best. I used to not like water at all, but I'm I'm proud of myself for making it a part of my life. Can you uh, repeat that last sentence for me, please? No, I'm not saying the word. I'm not saying it. Damn it! I said water. <laughs> oh, it's been a while since I heard somebody from Jersey. Oh Jersey. shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that's a that's a great way to end adam thank you very much absolutely so thank you guys for watching make sure you subscribe i am live every week at 9 30 eastern time next week's show i don't know because my phone's dead i think it's actually ron jordan though if i'm not mistaken I think it was a. I've been trying not to do back-to-back vfam just because i don't want to make it just nfts but it was just one of the, it just ended up working that way. So I'm pretty sure it's Ron Jordan, but stay tuned for any posts to see who it is. And it will be an amazing show like this one. So as always, guys, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Good vibes to you. Have a good night.